Superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From the territories to Titan Towers to TNA and all points in between, he's seen and done it all. And now he's here to share the real story behind wrestling's biggest moments, controversies, and characters. The MLW Radio Network presents Something to Wrestle with Bruce Pritchard. Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to something to wrestle with. Bruce Pritchard. Oh, he's I'm sick deal. of you, man. We should talk about a little housekeeping for two topics, and then we'll get into this week's <sighs> hashtag. What happened when this whole Jesse Ventura thing, man, it just will not die. People are just now getting around to the WrestleMania seven episode. Thank you for catching up. Thank you for listening. Tell your friends. Uh, but a lot of folks have really taken issue with you saying that Ventura suggested burning the flag. And I want to clear this up once and for all again. I feel like we've talked about this many times now. Ventura did not suggest that this was a decision or an angle for WrestleMania seven or Hulk Hogan or a Sergeant Slaughter. He just mentioned it when the law was changed, correct? Exactly, because prior to the law changing, it was illegal to burn the United States flag in America. And it became legal to do so, or not illegal. And it was Jesse's idea. Jesse threw out the idea, hey, Vinny, you should have somebody burn the flag, get some heat. It was not, you know, we didn't use that right. until we got to the Iraq angle where it made sense for an Iraqi sympathizer to do that. But it was Jesse Ventura did make the suggestion originally when the law changed and uh we just used it in much later date and how crazy is this you guys just had an idea banked it and then used it later when the time was right god that forbid sounds, sounds really common sense yeah well I, and if you doubt and, and there's been a lot of people saying oh well 
Bruce just suggested this to put heat on Jesse. There's no heat on Jesse. Google burning the flag and Jesse Ventura. He's been quoted as saying this a hundred times. It's not new news because it was on our podcast, but what was new news is your good friend at the pro wrestling torch, Mr. Bruce Mitchell, oh my God. Uh, texted me, uh, just now. There's uh, nothing good or friend about him okay. with me. That's your buddy. <laughs> well, your little bitch boy. I, well, I don't like that term. Let's use the term you named him. The Greensboro Jackoff. Greensboro bitch boy Jackoff. How's that? Oh, we're getting a little hot on this one. So let's run through this. He was well, a uh, guy who has zero credibility. Who's never spent 30 seconds inside oh my the business okay. and who can I ask a question? Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, I guess he's like a big porn connoisseur, and he remembered that Heather Figures. Hunter. Well, uh, Heather Hunter was a big deal uh, once upon a time any in adult films. Uh, that, that's you know what, man. That's an insult to porn connoisseurs comparing them to that guy. The only two I know for sure are Howard Finkel and and Bruce Mitchell. And okay. I didn't know that about Bruce. I just discovered. Anyway, I digress. All right, you digress. Heather Hunter was on primetime wrestling. I don't remember that. Well, I no, she was on the Bobby Heenan show. Okay. My apologies. Uh, he probably said that I'm just doing it from memory now. So wh- what's the, what's the deal? How was there an adult film star in the late eighties or the early nineties, whatever it may have been on a WWF program? Well, Heather was a star for H and H video, which uh, was uh, a producer of porn. And those are the guys that, that you told that us were that. part owners in Coliseum Video. So it was just a cross publicity deal. It was a cross publicity deal. They had someone that they wanted to promote, and we had a new dynamic show on the Bobby Heenan show. And what better place to put her on? And she had a movie that was called Coming on America. Oh. It was a spoof, a parody of the Eddie Coming Murphy Arsenio Hall movie, Coming to America. And we put her on the Bobby Heenan show. And your little rumor, innuendo, bullshit, the little bitch boy jerk off from Greensboro wow. insinuated, Whoa. couldn't be further off base. And again, it, it, it's these people that deal in rumor and innuendo that have no clue what the hell they're talking okay. about. This isn't as fun as I want it to be. Can we just talk about uh, who who in the in in the company romanced Heather Hunter? No one romanced Heather Hunter. Did anyone have sex with Heather Heather Hunter? I, you know, Conrad. Oh, so it was you. Please, Heather was a very sweet young lady. Extremely sweet young lady. You know, I'm not even going to dignify that with an answer. I'm not going to dignify that with an answer. And see, you're innuendo now. See, people will like that because they talk about how we don't use the word innuendo correctly. You did there. That is only used correctly when you're talking about sex and things like that. It's probably your little bitch boy who started that. So Brother Love loved up on some Heather Hunter. Oh, my God. You weren't married. It doesn't matter. I'm not going to dignify your accusations with an answer. Is she the only porn star you were with? At that time, that year, I mean, I can be quiet a long time here. All right, let's get into it, Bruce. Uh, this is a time. Sometimes I hate you. Well, I understand. The feeling is mutual, and I think people dig it. We're talking about a deep subject. It's TNA. Uh, so we've got a lot to talk about, and we're going to try to cram this in. Uh, we could probably make this a two-week show. Instead of a two-hour show, we're going to do our best to jam it in as much as we can, just like you did with Heather Hunter. Uh, first of all, tell us, how did you get hired with TNA? For those of you who, who are constantly asking, Bruce left the WWE in 2008, uh, did some other stuff, uh, started some businesses, uh, had a run doing some of that stuff, and then when and how did you get hired with TNA 
when you first went to work with them? In the fall of 2010, I got a call from Eric Bischoff. And Eric was working, had been at TNA. He and Hulk had gone there. They'd been about a year uh, working with TNA. And Eric called me, asked me what I was doing, and what my relationship was with Vince Russo. And if I had any heat with Russo. And that stemmed from, believe it or not, once upon a time, you had another podcast. Uh, I did. And on that podcast, you had been reviewing Raw, and you had been reviewing SmackDown, and you had been reviewing TNA, and... Maybe you had been a little critical of the TNA product. Is that I was fair very critical of the TNA product at the time. It didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. But uh, but also, I'd, I'd been on Steve Austin's podcast, and I simply, when asked about Vince, I, Vince Russo, I commented that the guy that makes the decisions in the WWF, WWE, is the same guy that's made the decisions since the 80s, and the same guy that made them in the 90s, 2000, same guy making them now, same guy that will make them until he takes his last breath, and that's Vince McMahon. Right. And while Vince Russo was there, that he came up with some great ideas and had a hell of a run there, but it wasn't as... Vince Russo would like you to believe sometimes that, that he was the end-all, be-all. was blessed by Vince McMahon, and there was an editor involved and a filter, and that filter being Vince McMahon. And Russo took exception to that. And we talked about it, asked me if I said it. I said, yeah, sure did. Next. And, you know, we, we got through it. I, I like Vince Russo. I always, got, I, always, I always thought I got along with Vince Russo. Um, Vince never really had any heat with me. I guess I did with him. But, um, you know, we talked, asked me to come in and help them out with TV production backstage at their events when they recorded their TVs, and I was happy to do so. You know, I was, I was looking for something to do. Okay, so two things I want to ask about. One, um, what was everybody's role? Because you, you said Hogan, Bischoff, and then Russo, so I want to delve into that. But first, I want you to elaborate on what you just said when you said I did production and backstage and blah, blah, blah. I want you to be very specific. Talk to us like we're third graders for a minute. Break down exactly what your duties would have been when you say production and backstage and whatnot. I produce the backstage stuff. Golly, here we go. So when you produced, you're saying you go find the talent, you go find the cameraman. I had other people go do that. You go... Will you help me? Why are you doing this? <laughs> what? Okay. Production, you know, they, they have a run sheet. It's a, some people call it a script. Back in my day, if, you know, somebody asked you, had a, if you had a script, it meant you had a handful of pills. Nowadays, people ask you, got your script, it's a sheet of paper, a bunch of words on it, telling you what to do and what to say. And Vince Russo would have written this run sheet. The scree is zipped, yeah. And the scree is zipped would be back time to be approximately the length of the show, and it would usually have some dialogue in there and maybe a big spot in the match or roughly the number of minutes in a match, it, whatever was pertinent to the angle. Um, yeah, and the, and the backstage stuff that you see that shot out of the arena, those are, you know, you get talent earlier in the day, you shoot those, and I would you know, tell them what to do, tell the camera how to shoot it and what to do. from. So you'd pick like a location, yeah. shoot it from this angle, sure. move your head that way, move your hand this way, whatever. Yes. Okay. So you're only doing per shot deals here. Is that? I was only coming in, and at that time I was just working the television tapings. So it was like a per diem. Here's what we. Well, not a per diem. It was just a per day, like a like a um, contract. general contract. Yeah, like like one of the boys. Exactly. Uh, and so they would fly you from Houston to Houston Orlando. Orlando or wherever they were doing TV. Yeah. 
And most of the time, so are they doing TV on the road at this well, point? Well, the, uh, when I first went in, they did a pay-per-view in Daytona beach. Okay. So, or Tallahassee, I don't know. Daytona beach. Yeah. That was actually, I think the first one that you were there for. Right. Uh, so that's 10, 10, 10. Correct. That's going to be bound for glory. 2010. Ironically, the theme song for that show is uh, written and performed by Billy Corgan. Imagine that small world. And I told you I'd never heard any of his music before. Yeah, that shocked me. Uh, I, I didn't realize you were so damn old that you didn't know any of his 1979 or I mean, any of that stuff. I know Merle Haggard's. Yeah, well, real time. So uh, you're doing just kind of like the day deal. Um, and we kind of ran through some names to start here. You said Hogan, Bischoff, and Russo. Uh, Hogan and, and Bischoff are... Long-time friends of yours. I know you get along okay with Russo, I guess, now, too. But um, let's just address the elephant in the room. I think a lot of both of those guys. But the narrative would certainly be, oh, Hogan and Bischoff came in and ruined the company. They took all the money and made us go live on Mondays and put us on the road and put us in the red. And they were siphoning off all the money. What was your perception at the time? Well, Well, the reality of the situation was they brought Hogan in. And Eric came along with him, and they brought Hogan in to broaden the name and get more recognition for TNA by having Hulk Hogan. Hogan. And they were looking for him to get them deals and more sponsorships and also international deals. His name meant something. His name still means something. Sure, sure, sure. And it was Hulk Hogan. And Eric, with his production background, and Eric had connections. And Eric is a great producer and gets a bad rap. But I, I think Eric's a damn talented son of a bitch. And they were using them. And, you know, you talk about the Monday night thing that they did when they tried to compete with WWE on yeah. Monday nights. Um, at least they had the balls to go do it. At least they were trying something different than what they had been doing yeah. that wasn't working. Right. So they tried something new. It didn't work. They adjusted and moved right. on. I, I would have done that differently. If if I had been there, I would But would've... you respect the balls. I respect the balls. I respect them for doing something different, changing the norm. And a lot of people, change is difficult for people. So they changed the norm. They challenged the status quo, and they well, went out and, and did something different. It's also easy to armchair quarterback of decisions course. like that. Yeah. But you, well, I guess what I was getting at is, you know, you hear a lot of the younger guys, and this is common. This goes back, you know, decades in wrestling. They always want to talk about who's on top and that they're holding them down and blah, blah, blah. And a lot of the guys, I think, had just read so much of the Internet and so much of the books. and Rumor and innuendo. Yeah. And so they they were led to believe, oh, if Hogan and Bischoff are coming in, they're going to hold us down. But your perception was totally different from that. Is that fair to say? It is. No, without a doubt. That's, That's definitely fair to say because they were trying to build it up. So what was you know, their reputations were on the line just as much as everybody else's, if not more so. Right. Who gets the credit for it, you know, not working out? Hogan and Bischoff. Do they get the credit for having the balls to step out and, and do something different? Right. That that's the part that gets me. And you know, everybody can sit back and go, Oh, they never should have done that because Well, they did. It's easy to and say. And they that own now it. It's very it easy work. to say yeah. that now. But but they weren't the ones there making that decision and saying, Hey, let's let's go out and try this. It's it's like a football game, you know. If the play works, it's a great play. Yeah. If it doesn't work, it's a terrible. Yeah. Play. If you if you want to sit behind your computer and second guess everything and send your little newsletter out, then I, you know. Um, what is Bischoff's official title when you come in? 
Good question. I think Eric was executive producer at that point. What was Hogan's? Hulk Hogan. His title was Hulk Hogan. Yeah. What, he what didn't was, have a title. He was Hulk Hogan. What did he do? Uh, Hulk, you know, advised and would give his input on creative things. And so he'd sit in on booking meetings and, would, and stuff? No. Eric sat in on, on the booking meetings for him, kept him apprised of it, but Hulk would have suggestions. Hulk would sit in on production meetings, day of TV, and give his two cents. But they used Hulk for his name. They used Hulk to go out and, and try and get sponsors. It was really like, um, permi- almost like a licensing deal. Just, yeah. just permission to Pretty use much. it. Um, what was Russo's but, title? Writer. Who who was the head writer? Russo. Okay. Uh, so let's run through some other names here. Uh, Terry Taylor. He was at the company when you got er, there. Er, 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 er. You really don't like that guy. I don't not like him. So Timmy, I like everybody. I just like some people more, some people less. And you can find out who you like more and less at ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash Which is because I love you doesn't mean I like you. That's right. But you're going to love the way you look in that shirt. Check it out. ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash Bruce Pritchard. Uh, Terry Taylor was there, and he was in talent relations Correct. when you uh, eventually get the nod to be full-time. So when do you make a transition from going on just a, a per-shot deal to being full-time? Um, they, that would have been April, May of 2011. So I'd come in between October and that time. And so about six months later. Yeah. So they kind of just use you on TV tapings and pay-per-views and just kind of fill you out. And then once they're comfortable, six months later, they extend a full-time offer. Who does that come from? Dixie. Does she just meet you at a taping? Does she fly you in the Nashville? They they started flying me in, I want to say maybe in January 2011, and, and I would come in for a day or two and meet with the powers that be. I uh, sat with Creative a couple times. And just in Nashville? Just in Nashville, yeah. Okay, and this is at the Cummins Stations building? Yes. Okay. Yes, downtown Nashville. Can, can you compare those offices to uh, Titan Towers? <laughs> I'm not, not saying as a knock. Uh, I'm saying a lot of people listening don't know that there's a difference or have never been to them or... Uh, I'm well, not saying one is better than the other. I'm just, you know. Have you ever been to the Waffle House? Mm-hmm. Okay. I love the Waffle House. You do? Yeah. And Waffle House is great. Um, you ever been to the Palm? I have. Okay. One's the Palm and one's Waffle House. So you liked them both, but maybe one, sure. one was They're a different. little fancier than the other. Exactly. Okay. Yes. Okay. They, bo- they both provide food. And steak. They both feed people. They both provide steak. Yeah. Um... Different quality. But that's, I mean, you're really talking about just the building. I guess I mean. But by the way, I like both. I do too. But I guess what I was kind of looking for is not so much who had better crown molding, but more was the environment similar or is it totally different? Oh, totally different. Totally different. The vibe at TNA was much more laid back, much more relaxed. And and I don't want anybody to misconstrue this. I, I enjoyed a lot of my time at TNA working with the talent and yeah. in the creative end of things. I loved working with those guys. It was a lot of fun. And with all the situation that's taking place now, I find it sad because I don't want to see them go out of business. Nobody does. I'm a wrestling fan. I love the business. And I think it's healthy to have more than one group in in business. And I think that they are imperative for the survival of the wrestling business. It'll always survive. It will never die. They're like cockroaches. Uh, The wrestling business will never die. Um but, you know, it was just different, completely different environment. There wasn't that 24-7 intensity. 
that you had at WWE. It feels like uh, WWE operates with a sense of urgency. Well, here, I'll give you a comparison. Vince McMahon had no problem calling me at 2, 3 o'clock in the morning and just expecting you to be on it. On it. I mean, no hesitation, no get the sleepy dirt out of your eyes, just be ready to rock and roll. Dixie Carter called me one night, one day on a Friday afternoon about 3.30 and apologized for disturbing me while knowing that the weekend was coming. And, well, it's, it's late on Friday. You're probably, you know, wanting to be with your family. Do you chalk some of this up to Vince just being such a type A overachiever? Or is a lot of this just... The North versus the South. The South is a oh, little no, slower, completely, laid no, back. man, completely. Com- no, business, man. One had drive and one, you know, their entire life depended upon it. And the other. Not so much. Not so much. So let's get back to it. Uh, we're now uh, Mayish of 2011. And Terry Taylor is in talent relations, and now you're going to be a part of talent relations as well. Uh, I believe that your official title was talent relations, or when you first go full-time. The official title was going to be vice president of talent relations. Okay. Um, How does that affect Terry Taylor? What was he doing before? What was he doing after? When does he leave? Terry was handling uh, the the paperwork, the contracts, and the booking of the talent in the live events and appearances and things of that nature. It really wasn't going to affect Terry other than Terry would now answer to me and I would supervise Terry, but his role was not going to change at all. Now, Terry didn't know to my knowledge, but then again, you know, I don't know who the hell knew what up there. Uh, Let me run through that. Terry Taylor is going to be in the office in Nashville and you're going to be at home at home in Houston. Correct. And you're his boss. Yes. And he's in the office. Yes. And you're not. Right. Terry Taylor didn't feel slighted by that? Well, he didn't. Again, I don't know if Terry ever even knew that. What do you mean? I don't know if Terry knew that I was coming in full time to be in talent relations at all. He quit? Uh, He was let go. Why was he let go? They, you know, that's a damn good question. I was sitting at home and I was told that they were going to bring Terry in and let Terry know uh, the new structure and what was going to be happening and that he would be doing this. And I get a phone call from Brian Wittenstein, who was Terry's assistant. And he started asking me all these questions. And I said, whoa, 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 what, what are you talking about? He says, well, Terry's gone. They told me to just ask you. So they had let Terry go for whatever their reasons were and just sent out something to everybody saying, hey, Bruce Pritchard's now in charge of talent relations. And I, they didn't even call me to tell me Terry was gone or they call making me to, that announcement or yeah. that they were making that announcement. And all of a sudden I'm getting all these questions. So, which should have been a sign sign then, but, uh, continued throughout the tenure. Well, help me understand. Isn't that stupid that you're going to be in Houston and he's in the office and you're his boss? Well, I was just going to oversee what he did and it wasn't that difficult. Well, I mean, was he screwing up? Um, I don't think that he was doing the job that they were looking for him to do. All right. We're not trying to bury him, but help me understand if you're in talent relations, for those of you who maybe weren't paying attention a minute ago, what you're talking about is helping negotiate contracts with the talent. We're talking about wrestlers for the most part. Uh, you're going to book the house shows, not necessarily the buildings, the venues, the advertising, 
but just the actual match. Well, you card. make it sound like there's nothing to that. No, no. You got to deal with all with all the personalities and all the talent on a daily basis. Dude, you've seen how many personalities I juggle uh, in my life. I get it. I'm, I'm not saying it's not a full time gig. Well, it's not that hard. Oh I mean, you God! You just write mortgages all day. No, I'm it's just easy. I'm just saying there is a different division to handle buildings and venues and Correct. promotions yes talent relations is is the guys taking bumps and you know making towns dealing with all those personalities yeah um uh, what was he when you said you don't think they were doing he was doing the job they expected did you know of something that he missed um i just don't think they were real happy with him at the time all right so here's, and, they, and they were and you got to understand man they were vague so TNA's always been vague. Is that fair to say? Without a doubt. And and it it was a situation where when there were things that were uncomfortable to deal with, rather than dealing with them, uh Jeff Jarrett described it to me as it's it's like an ostrich that sticks its head in the sand and just keeps its head in the sand until everything blows over. And that was kind of the MO a lot of things there. Um Zig Ziglar used to say Love Zig. Meaningful, specific, or wandering generality. It feels like as we're talking here, WWE and Vince McMahon are meaningful specifics, and at times some of the decision-making from TNA would lead you to believe they were a wandering generality. That's an excellent analogy. Dutch Mantel, is he there when you get there? Nope. Dutch is, uh, uh, once upon a time, was a really big deal for TNA. Uh, Jim Cornette, is he there when you're there? Nope. Uh, Scott Demore, is he there when you're there? Nope. Um, this mother's day and father's day, look no further for the perfect gift than paintyourlife.com. It's worked for me every time. And when I say every time, I mean it, I've used paintyourlife.com to bring tears to the eyes of my mom, my dad, even my father-in-law. And right now I'm ordering one for my mother-in-law all from paintyourlife.com. My mother-in-law's life is her dog, Missy. And this year, my wife and I knew exactly what to get my mother-in-law for mother's day a painting of Missy. It really is that simple too. All we needed was a, a picture from our phone. Boom. We're up and running. You see, paintyourlife.com can really create a hand painted portrait to fit almost any budget. And it's the perfect gift for your mother, your father, or both. I've used it, as I said, on almost every person in my life. I've given these to my wife. I've given it to my cousin, my mom, my dad, my father-in-law. If I'm looking to give a truly meaningful, personable gift, I know the paintyourlife.com has my back and they're going to make it easy. You can go ahead and start the entire process in less than five minutes. And what's really cool about paintyourlife.com is they can even combine photos. Maybe you want to put two people who never met in one of your favorite vacation spots. You can do that. Just upload the photos. Bam. You're good to go. Maybe grandpa never got to meet his grandson with paintyourlife.com. That can become a reality. You can put people and places together. Even if they've never been there, you pick the artist, you pick the medium. Do you want oil, acrylic, watercolor, charcoal? You can even go ahead and pick out an awesome frame. The whole process to get started, as I said, takes less than five minutes and you can actually get your painting in as little as two weeks, but you work hand in hand with the artist to get every detail. Perfect. If you're looking to get those waterworks going to have your mom or your dad tear that paper and just almost be overcome with emotion. That's what I got. And I've never gotten that reaction to a gift card. You can give the most meaningful gift you've ever given at paintyourlife.com. There's no risk. If you don't love the final painting, your money is refunded, guaranteed. 
And right now as a limited time offer, get 20% off your painting. That's right. 20% off and free shipping. Now to get this special offer, just text the word wrestle to eight, seven, two, zero, four. That's wrestle to eight, seven, two, zero, four text wrestle to eight, seven, two, zero, four paint your life. Celebrate the moments that matter most message and data rates may apply. See paintyourlife.com slash terms for details. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. I guess we're going to go straight to this. Come on, man. What? What do you want to do? What? We're going to go wanna, straight to what? Uh, I want to know about Jeff Jarrett. And I want to know. Jeff was there. Had the whole Karen Angle thing happened by the time you were there? Yes. Uh, Jeff, the whole Karen and and Kurt Angle situation it had already taken place. And Jeff had already been um, suspended or whatever they did with him. I, I don't know. That was another weird thing. When you talk to people there... Uh, no one was ever given any explanation officially as to what Jeff's role was or. Cause he's part owner. He's, he's part, part owner and, and he's not coming in the office anymore and not returning phone calls. And no people are told not to call him. And, you know, here's a part owner, but people in the office didn't know. Sounds familiar. What, what, what the hell was going on? Um, talk to me about. You mentioned to me once, uh, when you were in a booking meeting or just freestyling with some of the guys, you made a suggestion about using that angle. Yeah, this was actually before I started there full time and the real life situation of was everywhere. Kurt and Karen breaking up and, uh, Karen ending up with Jeff, this real life and I think that it, it was an issue and an angle that a lot of people can relate to. We all know someone whose marriage has gone awry and, sure. you know, people know someone who's been divorced and gone through a messy divorce and it's very relatable. Yeah. So I brought up one time, why are we not exploiting this real life saga? Still very quickly that, that was a no-no and that, uh, that would never, ever happen. Don't ever bring it up. And I, okay. And I brought it up about 20 more times and finally we did it. Who told you not to, not to bring it up? Eric Bischoff's the one who actually brought it up, but the directive came from, uh, someone Eric Bischoff's the one who told you not to do it. Eric is the one who told me that, that it had already been suggested and fully been, you know, gone through and that, he had already been told never going to happen. And then eventually they do use it. Yeah. Uh, who told him not to, you mentioned Dallas. Can I assume that this is a lady named Janice? You'd be correct in your assumption. Um, you want to talk about her now or you want to wait and do it later? You're the host of the damn show. I mean, I'm just, you are, you're the permanent guest. I like that. We'll come back to her. Okay. Um, 
Tell I, me. I, I got a suggestion, and we talked about this, and I, and I don't know the names on your sure, sure. on your thing there. And I said, you know, we've never done a word association. You want to flip the script because everybody does word association at the yes. end. You want to do it first. Let's do it first, and then that'll help you maybe with your line of questioning and, and, I like it. and attacks with daggers we'll, later we'll, on. We'll go. We'll go to in front of the camera, and then we'll circle back to behind the camera. How's that sound? You're the host. I'm just the guest. Okay. Um, you can freestyle as many words as you'd like on okay. each one. I'll try to keep it brief. The decision to split Devon and Bubba. That's not like a word association. No, I'm just saying. Did you uh, did you know at that time, Devon's going to tread water. Bully Ray's going to be a superstar. I don't think anybody knew that. I think, you know, the idea was for both of them to try and do something. When they got into it, Bubba's the one that excelled. Bubba's the one that, that stood out. Devon's a great tag team guy. He's good support. But he wasn't able to. Yeah, we're not trying to bury Devon. I'm a huge yeah. Dudley Boy fan. I'm not, trying to bury any, I'm not trying to bury him either. No, I'm yeah. just saying the, the fact but, of but, the matter But is. Bubba became the man. Yeah. And uh, I hope he gets an opportunity to do that in the WWE before he calls it a career. I do, too. I think he'd be great. Uh, aces and eights. What about it? Well, you got anything? We're doing word association. Yeah, I, God damn well, it. Well, not the, yeah, but the, okay. I'm, I'm sorry. You're, I'm the dumbass that suggested this. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, Aces and eights. I loved it, man. You know, okay. Hey, it was it was an idea that I was a part of, so I loved it. I thought it was good. I thought it was edgy and and um, never got a chance to play out the way that it was supposed to. China. Not WWE China, TNA China. Ill thought out. How do you mean? This, I thought you were going to get into this later. Give you word association now, then you dig in later. Okay, we'll circle back to China okay. if you want to. Ken Anderson. Ken Anderson had a bad rap in the WWE, or at least it seemed that way, the way he left kind of unceremoniously. I thought this would be here. easier than it is. This was uh, your idea. I know. Um... Come back to him too. No, you know, Kenny, Kenny was, I guess you could say disappointment Wow, because there was a lot of, a lot expected from him. Sure. And he was, he was over like Rover uh, in WWE. At one time in WWE, he sure was. And I I think that the match with Batista by the time, by the time Ken got to TNA, I think that his confidence was shot. And I think that he was second guessing himself so much that it affected his performance. And that, that place will do it to you, man. They'll they'll browbeat you to the point where you just think you're the dumbest son of a bitch walking the face of the earth. Do you think he was a victim of WWE politics? I think that Kenny was a victim of his own. Um, he was injury prone and had some injuries. Timing was horrible. Injury prone is is the perception you're saying of WWE. Correct. I wasn't there when Kenny left, so I don't know what happened with Ken and WWE. But when you were there right. with him and WWE, you don't remember any heat? No. Was- no, other than no, no. And I bring up the injuries. That wasn't heat. That was just an unfortunate situation that happened. Uh, Low-key. Overrated. Wow. Okay. I didn't expect such a quick answer on that one. I love Loki. Jay Lethal. About the best thing Jay Lethal, the only good thing that I've ever seen Jay Lethal do was his imitation of Ric Flair. I like Jay, personally. I'm, dis- I'm disappointed to hear you say that. Why I, is that? I, I really like Jay Lethal. Well, I do. Okay. 
But uh, but again, like t- tell tell me what he's done, other than imitate well, Rick. Fl- other than doing an uncanny imitation of Ric Flair, a great imitation of the Macho Man Randy Savage. He was Ring of Honor champion for like a year, and the, TV champion. The what champion? Oh my gosh! Let's just move on. Gail Kim. There's somebody you like. I love Gail Kim. I think Gail Kim's one of the best female wrestlers uh, ever. In the business. TNA Hall of Famer and, and should be, hopefully one day, a WWE Hall of Famer. I hope so, I, man. You know, she, she works her ass off. Um, How cool would it be to see her in the WWE right now, now that they're taking women's wrestling seriously again? Uh, she'd, she'd tear it up. Think there's any chance of that happening or did she sure. burn a bridge? I Come on, you can't burn a bridge there. So, but do you, do you think she, I mean. I would I, love to see it. I don't remember how she left. Did she leave on not so great terms? I wasn't there when she left, so. Okay. Um, Chris Saban, y'all made him champ when you were there. Who? Come on. Half of the Motor City Machine Guns, him and Alex. Shelley. Oh my God. Um, no, I like Chris. We, we made, you're right. We made Chris champion. I did. That was a funny ha ha for both of you. Chris Saban fans out there. Hmm. Um, I, I you're did a dick today. I, I got a lot of respect for Chris and I like Chris a lot. And he was one of those you just guys said who, when I said his name and now you're saying, I, I just said I was making a ha ha. Is, is that a rib? It was, was a ha- no, it was a ha ha was making Chris. No, that was a ha ha. Absolutely rib. not. No, it was a way to get, you know, an underdog over. And, um, no one, no one was going to call it. No one was expecting that. And I thought it, I thought it worked. Uh, James storm. You guys made him the champ too. After a lot being a long time tag team guy, uh, he kind of helped put TNA on the map in the original early Wednesday pay-per-views with Chris Harris. Chris Harris would you be ever, signed to WWE as Braden Walker, wash out really quickly. People thought he was the star, and then James Storm winds up becoming the guy with longevity. What's your two cents on James? You ever have a mailman that uh, delivers some days right at 9 o'clock in the morning, and then other days he doesn't show up until 2 o'clock in the afternoon, and sometimes he leaves your shit on the mailbox, on the mail truck? It's about the best way I can describe James. Love him to death. I think he's a hell of a talent. I think he's entertaining. He thought he was, but inconsistent. He was inconsistent. Not just in terms of showing up on time. You mean his performance? No, I'm talking about his performance. Yeah, and his intensity. And Is some if of that- he was into something, he was all in. But if he didn't feel it all the way, I didn't feel that there was always. He was an artiste. Commitment. He had to be motivated. Okay. I know. I'm just freestyling. Yeah, I'm asking. I mean, uh, Is that okay. the deal? I guess. Does uh, any of that to do with injuries? I know he's been beat up pretty good. Well, not that rumors and innuendo would say he's had some injuries. Okay. Yeah. Um, not when with. I was there. I don't really okay. remember him having any injuries. Other Whose than decision that. was it to make him champ? Well, that was during the Bobby Roode time, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that was simply something that we did. Hulk really liked him and thought he'd be a good champion. It was a transition uh, for Bobby Roode. And it was a way to, once we saw what we had in Bobby Roode, it was like, nah, man, we, we got to go with Bobby. And it was a way to get Bobby over. But the original idea for Bobby to become champion was to get to the point for James to come back and really be that guy and be the champion. And that's why I say, you know, on the inconsistency is we got closer to it. It just, it wasn't working. They weren't buying him. The, uh, the contract he had at some point expired with TNA and he actually appeared on a couple of NXT shows and then went back to TNA, uh, ultimately deciding to go there, uh, seemingly for more money. 
do you think that he missed an opportunity with WWE or do you think that NXT would have been his ceiling based on what you're saying? Probably would have been his ceiling. Um, I do think that James had a lot more in him than he, he gave all the time. Um, can you think of another performer maybe from back in the day, the eighties or nineties who you would liken him to in that regard? Not as far as look, not as far as work, but just, Hey, sometimes he's the man. Other times he's phoning it in. There's probably a few of them off the top of my head. It's hard to think of one, but there's, there's probably a few of them. Let's talk about Bobby Roode. You mentioned him there. He's, he's now with, um, NXT. A lot of people are really high on him. I've heard for a long time. People say that he was one of the most underrated performers in the business. Started with TNA at the team Canada gimmick more than a decade ago. Uh, and then finally gets a singles run when you're there, you guys put the belt on him. Whose idea is that? And what's your one word or few words you want to mention about him? We already said the one word I'd probably say for Bobby Roode is underrated. And Bobby was such a performer, great guy and really underrated. And he was one of those guys that flew under the radar for so long, Wow! but yet, well, hang on. But yet he was the guy that really was the star and really made uh, beer money, um, whatever the hell that, the fortune yeah. thing and all that stuff that they did. You know, Rude was the guy that was, in my opinion, you know, sitting there, when you really analyze it, that was the glue that made all that shit work. And when we put him out on his own, his star just shone so bright. And I was happy that he finally got an opportunity to be that guy. Bobby Roode, I believe, when he gets to WWE, will be a megastar. You I mean the main roster? I mean the main roster, Do you yes. think he even needed NXT? He could have went straight to the roster, don't you think? He probably needs NXT for the WWE. Does that make sense? No. He needs to be there to show them how good he really is. Oh, I see. In their, in their pond, at least in the NXT, he's being given an opportunity to be the big dog and to show everybody how good he is. So, yes, he needs NXT to get to do you think the main a, roster. When you're saying that, I can't help but wonder, do you think there's some sort of TNA bias? In probably. The, like probably, the, but I hope, I think they're getting over that. Well, with AJ, it certainly Obviously. seems that way. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I wouldn't have picked AJ many years ago to be on the WWE roster, much less the champion. I think he deserves it. I'm happy as hell for him. Let's just go with him right now. He is on my list, but... Uh, AJ Styles, when you first get there, what's your impression? And um, does it change while you're there? My first initial impression with JJ was AJ. Eh, AJ, well, you know what I meant. You know. You know. Huh? Huh? Uh, AJ, when I first got there, I thought, oh, God, you know, uh, he's been here so long. Seen it, done it. Next. Once I got to know AJ, and I saw his work ethic and felt his passion for the business. He loves it. I got a completely different feel, and I really appreciated it. Uh, he left 100% out in the ring every single night, no matter if there were 10 people or 10,000. <laughs> I said 10,000 people in TNA. Uh, 3,500. Okay. Uh, but AJ was, was a pro every night, busted his ass no matter what. And he was passionate about what he did. So I think that he's one of those guys that deserves what he has right now. I'm happy as hell for him. And 
he'll be a top star for a long time. Yeah, I hope so. Uh, he's been fun to watch uh, as long as I've been watching wrestling again. Um, how much of a bias do you think there was with the WWE for AJ Styles based on him being A, a Southern wrestler, B, having an accent, and C, not being six foot five? All the above. <laughs> They're biased against him for. I I think that there is there's that WWE Northeastern Yankee New York bubble that what would Vince have thought of his accent? Ah, goddamn Hick Southerner. Um, you know, like you. Yeah. Um, I get it. But there there really is. It's like they forget that there is the rest of the world. There's the rest of the there's world. There's not just these handful yes, of states. Not just these, you know, Yankee bastards that eat bagels and Whatever else they do up there. Yeah. Um, so uh, when you first, you know, are around AJ, you know, he was. I have a, a southern bias and I'm southern. Sure. Well, because you spend so much time being brainwashed by Vince, but I digress. Uh, he was a big deal for a long time in TNA. And it feels to me like um, at certain points, TNA's booking would lead you to think that they maybe thought in order for us to get to the next level. We need an outsider. AJ got us this far, but if we're going to get to, and I hate that phrase, the next level. The next level. Let's get outside of the box. Yeah. There's the other one I hated. Well, I, I just think that they probably thought, hey, in order to do that, we need to go to some of their old stars. And that always kind of felt like just reheating someone else's leftovers rather than really offering a true alternative, which is what AJ offered, which is obviously what Vince sees now. Because he put him on SmackDown and put the belt on him right after the brand split. He wanted to offer a true alternative to Raw, and that's AJ Styles. And even Vince sees it in 2016. Sure. And you can't just go and, and look, well, who who else is available? One thing I did try to do while I was there was not necessarily look at who el- who's available out there. Oh, God, who'd they let go to, of today? Because um, that had happened, whether it was Christian Cage or Kevin Nash or Booker T., or Scott All Steiner or, yeah. or Hulk Hogan or Sting or Kurt Angle or Jeff Hardy. As soon as they're, you know, gone, we got to sign right away. And that's happening even now. Guy got fired from WWE. Well, let's, let's use him. Um, you know, one thing I, I did try to do was look within and see who, who we have within because. Well, that's hard to argue that you didn't do that when you say James Storm, Bobby Roode, Chris Saban, and let's go to another name, Austin Aries. You guys made him the champ while you were there, I believe. Or I yes, mean, we did. He had a title run. I'm curious. Uh, Austin Aries is a guy who, at times, has a reputation. If you believe the rumors and innuendo, of being difficult to do business with. That's what they said. You didn't find that to be the case. Absolutely not. And and I confronted Austin with that when he first came in. So when you say the they first night. said that, you mean other TNA management? Yeah. What was the rap? The rap was that he was difficult to deal with, didn't like to do jobs, always had, you know, opinions, didn't want to do it the way you wanted to do it. Um, I never got that from him. He was passionate about his craft. And you have to understand, too, when when I suggest something, it's a suggestion. Yeah. And you're you're talking to an artist. You're talking to a talent. I want to hear what they have. They're out there interpreting it. So I want to hear what ideas they have and how they think it might be done differently. If they have a better idea, I'm open to it. You told me your philosophy on that was really borrowed from Pat Patterson's. 
uh, from early booking meetings you would have with Vince. It was you and what Pat if? and he, and give everybody kind of the rundown on the proper way that you would kind of challenge or suggest or tweak well, or improve. I, I, I have talked about it before where I was, I was very just bullheaded and I would, if I didn't agree with something, I'd say, ah, it sucks. And Pat Patterson suggested to me one day, he says, you know, I get it and it may suck. It truly may suck. You may be right. But if you approached it in a different way, you may get a lot more um, reception, I guess, you know, would be the right yeah. way to say it. Because when you say something sucks or you say that stuff, they have to go on the defensive. People immediately go on the defensive and they've got to defend their idea versus if you absorb it, try it on. And if you have a better idea, you say, what if? Right. Two words mm-hmm. can make a big difference. And you say, what if we tried it this way and have an idea, right? Have a solution may not be the right solution. Just don't bitch to bitch. Give don't an just idea. bitch to bitch. And if you have nothing better then keep your mouth shut. And so you carried that over to TNA. So you would yeah. approach a guy like Austin Aries and say, what if we tried this? Right. And then it just becomes a free flowing conversation. Like exactly. we are now. And, and Austin's a talented guy, man. He had good ideas and I never had, I never had a problem dealing with him. The guys who were saying he was difficult to work with before, do you think they had that what if type approach? Or no. Were... Okay. No, they're very dogmatic. And, 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 and one of them was Terry Taylor. But Terry is one of those guys. It's his way or the highway. I see. And he's the, only, he's the smartest guy in the room, and he's the only one that knows how to do it. And, and Terry didn't, um, my opinion, and that's how he approached things, that it was coming from him, and he was the boss, and you're going to do it. You're my um, subordinate, so do it. Yeah. I, I tried not to do that. Right. There were times that you have to do that. But if someone had a different idea and a different opinion, I always listened. Uh, Eric Young. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Entertaining. Um, he had a run. Yeah, I think they even put the belt on him. He did some stuff with uh, NXT. He's done some stuff on cable. Is he ever going to make it with the WWE and be bigger than he is right now? For me, the jury's out on Eric. Um, still, yeah. Why still, is that? I, I, I love the stuff that uh, Eric did on the Discovery Channel, the television show he had. Right. That's where I really saw his personality backstage. When you're talking to Eric and and you're around him, very entertaining, very personable. Um. I just wasn't a big fan of of his on-screen persona. Didn't get it. Um, wasn't a big fan. And, and then when I saw the stuff on Discovery, I said, God damn, there's something there. Yeah. 
and tried to get it out, but I don't know. I, I just didn't get it. I hope he, I hope he does well there because he's talented and he's another guy that has a lot of passion for the business. Uh, ODB. <laughs> uh, ODB. God, she is great. Here's a gal. I'll tell you a story about ODB. She was training in OVW. And she's a hard-working gal, busting her ass. And she comes up to me in, in OVW in, in Louisville, Kentucky, which was our developmental training center at the time. And she says, what do I need to do? Do I need to get boobs? What do I need to do? And she went and got boobs. I didn't tell her to get boobs. But I said, you know what, Jess? It's, it's one of those deals that they need everybody. You know, she wasn't the, the diva, stereotypical uh-huh. diva. Yeah. And she would say that, you know, she had the rough voice and everything. Um, but she went out and she made her character work for her. Yeah. And she was, you know, she was a lot of fun, man. Um, a name that I'm sure the internet, um, loves that people hate when I call it the internet. The what the bu- hell is it? Yeah, you know what I mean. The Young Bucks. They're over like Rover online. They're overrated. Okay. I thought their matches sucked. They have no psychology. And they thought they were great. You know, the guy, some guys in the back would sit there and go, oh, my God, that was so great. But they do 200 things when they could get by with doing 20 and have a match that makes sense. Now, I'm not going to criticize their work today because I haven't seen them since they left. You sound like every old timer ever. You You're right. That, I do. Uh, You're right. I'm just saying like, I, I do, but, but it still used holds to say true. That, they used to say that to Flair and Steamboat though. They're okay. doing too much. All right. Well, again, I'm giving you my impression, sure. my interpretation of what I saw of what they were doing in TNA. I'm not going to give you an interpretation of what they're doing now because I haven't seen them. Since they left TNA, I'm judging it on how they were at TNA doing 200 things when they could have done 20 um, and no selling everything they did. Now, and on to the next thing. They had no psychology. Uh, I didn't think their work was good. They were really, they were really nice kids. They did love the business, but I think that they had a higher uh, value and perception. I understand they're doing well. I'm happy for them. So, the Young Bucks, man, and, and uh, is that what we called them, was the Young Bucks? Uh, well, here's what I want to ask. Um, how'd they leave TNA? They asked for, you know, their release. They wanted more dates, didn't have more dates to give them, couldn't pay them any they more money. They who? Me. Okay. Me. So they come to you, and they say, we'd like to have a meeting, or do they say, can we talk to you? Or? Yeah, they said, can we talk to you? And I said, what do you want to talk about? And they wanted more dates. They needed more work. We didn't have the kind of work that they were looking for. I said, well, can we get our release? I said, you got it. And gave it to them right away. So they asked for it. They got it. They got exactly what they asked for. We didn't have more uh, opportunities that we could give them. We had, they had too many people under contract that they couldn't put to work as it was. Did you let them honor their other dates they were already booked on, or did you just give them a a release right then, effective immediately? I gave them a release right then. I don't know that they had any more dates booked at the time. I, I don't really remember the exact situation of the Young Bucks from 2011. Why, why are you fired up? I'm just asking a question. Well, you're getting hot about it. Well, I'm not hot. Yeah, no, you're hot. I mm. can tell when you're hot. This make believe. 
But Abyss was probably hot under that mask, and that's why you unmasked him. What the hell? Who? Abyss. I want to hear some Abyss stories. He is basically a TNA original. He was there from the very beginning, but not too long after. He's been there for a long, long time. And you can't help but wonder when you see a big guy like that, why in the world did he never make his way north? I think that it, it paranoia on his part. Uh, Chris is a very paranoid guy. Hell of a talent. Now, what do you um, mean? What do you mean paranoid? You mean paranoid. He second guesses everything that he does, and he's very unsure. He's got to ask you twenty times if everything was okay. And you mean like after the match? He'd after come the through. match, yes. And but isn't that a good thing for them to come back and want to get feedback about their match? Well, sure. But once you give them the feedback, then asking you ten more times exact same question about the exact same thing after you've given them the exact same answer eight times. So it's like doing a podcast with me, kinda. Something like that. Okay. Yeah. Well, he's, and he, that's not a rib. He seems like a really, really nice guy. Great guy. Um, and another one, passionate about the business, would do any, and he would a loyal guy, and I give him that too, man. He's loyal. He stayed with TNA, um, but I don't know that he would have been successful in WWE. Maybe one day he will be, but I don't know that he could have handled the the stress up there and the critiques and feedback that he would have gotten up there. And you think that they would have just been more critical, the agents up there? Without a doubt, yes. Chris is a blood and guts guy, and I'm not a big blood and guts fan. So, I, you know, wasn't my style. Do you think he could have adja- adapted, or it wasn't something he was interested in? <laughs> Oh, I definitely think he could adapt because I saw that when we took the mask off of him and, and made him Joseph Parks. To me, that was the most Why? entertaining stuff that, that he ever did. Why'd you take the mask off? Because it was old. It was passe. It was a ripoff of mankind. I, I just, it was, see, see, it wasn't to, original to me. See, to me, it didn't become a ripoff until you unmasked him. When when you unmasked him and you showed him as a different character, then it became the he had three the faces same, He had falling. the same type mask he had the same type uh over a garment as paul bosch used to say um it was exactly the same and yeah so you take the mask off him we made him a different person you'll say that's similar to mankind and mick foley and dude love and cactus jack okay great well then it was similar then we just ripped that off and sold that idea too because dude love was one of my ideas that i stole from when i saw the mick foley dude love idea when we were sitting in our dressing room in toronto canada and Mick says to Shawn Michaels, well, Shawn, I always wanted to be you. Um, Samoa Joe. This is where we're playing the word association. Huh? Um, Joe. Monster. He was in, in Ring machine. of Honor. Did a phenomenal job in Ring of Honor. It was huge. Huge. And kind of interesting. You know, I don't know that people really think about this, but he starts wrestling with John Cena in California. Their careers split. Cena goes and does the developmental deal. Joe goes and becomes Ring of Honor champ. Has tremendous success. Gets signed to TNA. And when he's at Ring of Honor... Joe joins a guy named CM Punk. They have a tremendous series of matches in 04. They split again. Punk chooses developmental. Once again, Joe picks TNA. Joe wasn't offered. I mean, it wasn't like he had a choice. I'm just saying that their that career, their career path is parallel is and weird. Went different paths. That Cena becomes a megastar. Punk becomes a really big deal. 
And seemingly in both cases, it looks like short term, Joe has made the better call. He's a big deal in Ring of Honor. He's a big deal in TNA. Look, I'm not going to disparage Ring of Honor, but but saying someone is a big deal in Ring of Honor is the saying like I'm the, I'm the shift leader at Sonic. Okay. Well, I disagree, but that's cool. Okay. Um, and now Joe is just now really getting a shot and... I hope it's not too little too late. It feels like the TNA thing started off awesome, and then it petered out. Why do you think that is? What do you mean the TNA thing started awesome and oh. petered out? Well, I mean, he was working pay-per-views with Kurt Angle, and then at well, the end, he's just kind of lost. Time that, you know, you can't stay on top forever. Uh, and, uh, uh, and he goes away uh, for uh, three, four, uh, five months at a time. Okay. I'm just saying, you know, he wasn't. In a featured spot the entire I'm not saying he had to be the champ the whole time. But it didn't Wait, feel like he should be featured. He should be everybody should be in the main event all the time. No, it doesn't work that way. So it comes a time you gotta get other people over and you, you take a rest. How will Joe do in WWE? I hope Joe does well. I think he's got the talent to do it and why, he's different. Why wasn't he considered? In I'll tell you why he was I'll tell you why he wasn't considered, because they felt he was a fat Samoan. Well, help me understand. They he got was him. out of shape. He looked out of shape. He wasn't the body type that Vince liked. And they felt that, you know, it, it wouldn't work. There was a period where guys now, This is a considered. bullshit answer. I'm giving you the truth. You asked me why he wasn't considered. I'm, I gave you the exact quote of why he wasn't considered. Because he's a fat Samoan. He looks like a fat Samoan. What the fuck was Umaga? Part of the family. Is that, is that the real answer? Yes, that's the real answer. Holy shit. Okay. That's so a, I'm giving you the truth wow. and you're calling bullshit. See, that's the problem. That's the problem with these fucking assholes that sit behind their little computer screen and go, that's well, they say, me, 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 me. You realize you're talking just, about our entire audience when you do no, that. No, you know what? I love our entire audience and thank you for listening. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm keeping, <laughs> keeping it real here. And Joe, he to me, but let me, me tell you, let me tell you something, way. okay, about Joe. Here's what I liked about Joe. I like that he was a fat Samoan. I like that he didn't look like everybody else. Right. I like that he didn't work like everybody else. I'm a fat white guy, okay? So I can relate to him. But he was a badass that you would believe was kicking everybody else's ass. Yeah. It was believable. It is believable. But when you're sitting there and your criteria is, I got to look like an athlete, pal. Okay, he is doing that stuff. But don't you? He's think- making it look good. He is an athlete, and Umaga, larger, still Samoan, hell of a talent, hell of an athlete. Why? Why is it that? You- Again, he was part of the family, man. So he was just born because apparently there's like two Samoan families. There's the one that The Rock is related to everyone, and then there's Samoa Joe. Right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. I'm just curious because it seems like around. But I'll give you a real answer. Well, that's a that's a bullshit answer. No, no. it's a, it's okay. Now the listen. Truth. In fairness, it is a bullshit answer, but it is the real Vince McMahon answer, and I appreciate that. I gave you the real answer. You gave me well. You gave me Vince. It's not a real answer. I'm sorry. You asked me why he didn't get called up. Why we didn't want him then? Because He's when he was someone. suggested, it was like ah, god damn. Ugh. Same reason that Vince didn't want to meet Cactus Jack back in the day. Yeah. Because he looked like a, a, a fat bum okay. to Vince. Let's circle back to something you were really excited to talk about. Signing China. 
Well, that was a disaster. Um, this comes know, out after her porns. No, it, it comes. Well, okay. After it, it comes after, after, after the, the thing that that uh, she did with Sean Walkman, and and you know I hate to speak ill of the dead, but it You're was not speaking ill. She did porn. She did. But when uh, Joni came in, and, and it was an idea that uh, Vince Russo had, and I kind of got in on the tail end of it. That was in between uh, Terry and I, and Terry had allegedly made one deal with her, and Dixie understood another thing. So I kind of come in in the middle of it, and I've got to. I, I know you're not going to give me numbers. No, I'm not going to give you numbers. I didn't ask. Well, I'm telling you. Are you saying? Before you ask. So don't ask. There was a misunderstanding about number of dates, amount per date. All the above. Okay. All the above. Okay. And, but I don't think anybody knew. And when she came in, um, you know, Joni's about one of the, was was one of the sweetest people you ever want to meet. But she had, you know, her idea what she felt she was worth. And she we thought had, she had like a two thousand, like a nineteen ninety nine two thousand level. Yeah. Of fame, probably. And it was not. Well, yeah, and we're talking about TNA, and they didn't have that kind. They didn't have WWE money. Yeah. And they weren't paying it. Yeah. So we didn't have that in the budget to give her. Did she use an agent, or was it her doing it? No, she used an agent. And How bad did that piss you off? I hated agents. They're uh, necessary evil when I get it. You know, the business changed, but when, you know, coming up, I, I didn't understand it. I, it became, after a while, you know, you just... I could tell based on, your, based on your facial expression. Yeah, I'm I, not an agent guy because you're not dealing with the agent in the field. You're not – when you're in the trenches and you're sitting there going over stuff, there's not an agent there. Yeah. not going to deal with an agent talking about a finish and what you yeah. got to do. So might as well do it now. So might as well do it now. And, and, and we're going to give you the best deal we're going to give you, agent or not. Yeah. So if you want to give 10% or whatever that percentage is away to an agent, that's your business. It's not going to change the deal. Yeah. And, um, but it was, it was one of those situations where Joni wasn't in the shape that, um, people remembered, people remembered. Yeah. And was she fucked up? No, no, Okay. no, she never was. And she worked uh, one match, I think, she on pay-per-view. Yeah. She came in and she did a TV and then did a match on pay-per-view with Karen. And then that was it. That was it, yeah. And it worked out well. Why didn't it, though? If you're saying she's not fucked up, why didn't it? Well, because, A, we couldn't get together on money. And, and B, uh, I had been told that she had recently done uh, more porn. And actually, had the guy that said that was on my podcast before, a gentleman by the name of Jimmy Noonan. And... Uh, Broke the story. How did he know? Uh, because the guy that she did the porn with, the porn star, and he were best of friends. And Jimmy had a lot of connections in the adult entertainment industry. Tell me your friend of a friend was the main gene guy no, in the movie. No, 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 no. That, you always get this screwed up. Different movie. Okay. Well, she did a parody where she had sex with uh, that was after. Characters. That was after she left the Was the there a brother TNA. love one in that? I don't remember. I, I may have to go fast what? forward I, that. I've never see. watched this. So. Oh, well, we're going to watch it in okay. slow motion a little later. Okay. Um, okay, let's get back to kind of behind the scenes. Um, wow, that was a hell of a segue. Go ahead. Well, I mean, backdoor. Yo, don't stop. No. 
You know what? She was a very sweet young lady, and I'm sorry she's. Gone. I'm not burying her. I don't understand. Let's talk about some other chicks. How's that sound? Let's talk about the time Miss Jackie beat the shit out of Brooke Adams. Well, Jackie's an old pro, and um, any good Jerry Jarrett stories with her? I don't know. Huh? Maybe he asked her to make chicken salad one time. With walnuts and the grapes, and you mix it with the mayonnaise. But uh, Jackie was a tough old bra, man. And Jackie would take exception to to those that weren't at, at her level. Right. And uh, Brooke Adams came in and... Um, kind of green. Brooke was green. And Jackie got in the match, and Brooke... Missed a few things, and Jackie just beat the shit out of her. Pulled her extensions out. I mean, really roughed her up bad. Uh, I had to have a little chat with Jackie and just kind of explain to her, you got to teach them. You can't beat the shit out of them anymore. Because back in Jack- Jackie's day, you, you can know, just, beat the, you can just beat the shit out of them. And, um, we mentioned him briefly there. Jerry Jarrett, you ever have any dealings with him? Was he ever mentioned? Was he persona non grata around the office? He'd been gone for a long time, obviously, but... You mean after he'd screwed him out of the business and all that and sold him something that went anyway? I don't know what he did. No, he wasn't. No, God, please. Well, I just know he had kind of a tumultuous relationship with Jeff and wasn't. Yeah, they, they, I don't, they didn't have a relationship at that point in time. They um, weren't speaking. So Quentin Rampage Jackson yep. takes a little run with TNA while you're there. How does that come about from your recollection? What went wrong? Well, you got to back up. We got to go to King Mo first. Okay, sure. And we, um, no, he was with Bellator at the time. Bellator, yes. Bellator's uh, on Spike. TNA's on Spike. Correct. Uh, Spike had, used to have the UFC, and UFC signed with Fox. And uh, Kevin Kay, who was president of Spike TV, big MMA fan. And he wanted to stick it to the UFC. Yeah. Hey, I made the I made a UFC. I made an MMA company before. I'll make another one. Right. So he, uh, you know, they got Bellator. They acquired Bellator. And one of the things, you know, because TNA still uh, was the highest rated show on Spike. So this is a way to kind of cross promote. Yeah, it was it was logical. Any you know, fight any, to fight. Any um, apprehension from you or any of the office sure. in co-mingling MMA and wrestling? Well, my apprehension was is how much can we do with them and what what's the payoff? You know, I, I don't don't want to just do something to do it. Yeah, if there's no match. And what well, a story. Give me yeah, something. Right. It's like, oh my god, we've got we have this guy available, and we can um, use him. Well, let's figure out something. Well, hang on. What can we do with him? Can uh, they work a match? Is that your Dixie Carter? Can, <laughs> can we? Dixie's a sweet lady. So Dixie was sold on this by Kevin. Dixie was sold on anything that was. Uh, Spike initiative. Fringe, fringe. Uh, Outside of wrestling. Fringe celebrity. Yeah. Okay. And so they their big sign, their big get, Bellator's big get was King Mo at the time. And Mo is basically a pro wrestler in MMA. Correct. With the big entrance yeah. and uh, the jewelry. Well, he's and, a big uh, wrestling fan. Yeah. Always has been. Sure. I, and he had been to OVW before and different things and a huge fan. And Mo was interested. Mo wanted to be a professional wrestler more than he wanted to be an MMA guy. I don't know that I told you this, but uh, King Mo actually called and to, to speak to Rick during the college football playoff in January of this year. Cool. It was kind of weird and random. 
uh, I guess it was a friend of Rick's or something. And, uh, we're watching the game in Dallas and, uh, King Mo had just had a big victory and wanted to speak to Rick Flair. And, uh, of course, Rick didn't remember who King Mo was, but I told him, <laughs> Hey, he's a big deal. Uh, he's a, he's a really good MMA fighter and it's a big deal that he's calling you. But either way, I thought it was pretty funny that he's such a wrestling fan. Yeah. Huge fan. So, I mean, but the the deal was was Bjorn Rebney was the president of Bellator at the time, and it was okay. What what can we do? And he said, "Well, can you put him in the ring? Can he beat somebody up?" I'm like, "Well, we can, but I'd like to have more of a story. If we're going to use him, let's build him up. Let's make him mean something." And this wasn't the first time they tried this. They tried it with uh, Tito Ortiz. I mean, a UFC. I mean, an MMA fighter. Well, Years- Tito came after that. Well, Tito was there in 05 as well. You're right, yeah. Yeah. But it, it was this was something where they wanted Mo to actually be a wrestler right. on the TNA show and also do MMA. So when he wasn't training to do MMA, well, he could just wrestle. You know, that he just he can just wrestle. Oh, wow. So it's like, wait a minute, he's got to be trained. Yeah, it doesn't work that way. He, he has to. So did he go take bumps and all that? To, yeah, he went to OVW. And we sent him there to, to train him, but he was also having to train for MMA oh, for the tough. big tournament on Spike. And it's two completely different training styles. Yeah, that's the and, and Mo really wanted to do both. And so they had a tournament. You know, that was you know, Bellator's big deal. We're going to have a tournament because uh-huh. it's going to be real and it's going to be a tournament. And Mo's going to win. Um, and it's real? Okay. So anyway, the idea is, is that is when that you busted balls the idea, the idea is going to be, yeah, I tell I, that story. Everybody's well, going to hear that. Well, no, we were just sitting at lunch and uh, who's and we, we uh, believe it was me and Dixie and, and Bjorn and the guy who runs Bellator. Yeah. And the idea was, is well, like, so Mo's going to be the champion and Mo's going to do this. And, uh, and I just looked at him and said, so it's all just work. And was highly offended that I would suggest that their business was a work. Um, even though he was already telling me that Mo was going to be a champion. Then, and then Mo got knocked out. Right. And everybody was up in arms. Oh my God. Oh my God. Mo got knocked out. And I'm the only one with a smile on my face. Cause I'm thinking, God damn, this will be great. I can, I can use this. Cause I, the idea I had was make him a hell of a heel and have him walk around. Like I've never been beat. I yeah. didn't get knocked out. Hulk Hogan, just deny NWO it. style. Yeah, yeah, just deny it. Yeah. And um, I, and I kid you not, everybody was like, oh, Wait my God, what are we going to do? Sure. And I called Bjorn. And I said, Bjorn. He said, I'm so sorry. I, I, I didn't. I said, it's this simple. I said, this was, I'm actually happy he got knocked out. Yeah. So now I got something to work with. How did it go sideways? Well, they wanted him to fight MMA, and well, if he just trained harder, so they wanted him more time at MMA. So they and just no time. They at, changed direction. Yeah, and it and it just didn't. It was it was ass backwards. What about Rampage? Anything you want to mention on him? Rampage, man. You know, it was a tough, tough, tough deal to get going because uh, I remember meeting with his agent, and his agent telling me about how uh, he was a Scottish guy, real nice guy, but. You know, telling me about how he gets $75,000 for a one-minute commercial. And I said, well, what the hell does he want to do this for? Yeah, $75,000 a day to do this. And I said, well, 
if you can get $75,000 a day doing that, I don't know what the hell he, why he would even consider doing this. Um, it was a tough negotiation. We finally got it. But that was the same thing. The idea was to bring Rampage in to get to a match with Kurt Angle. Mm. And would you have tried to do like a work shoot type situation, like a cage match? And they are going to work him in May. There going to be any shoot about it. Well, but I just yeah, mean, I, I mean, it was, mean. it was, you had the, uh, an Olympic gold medalist and, you know, great MMA fighter. So, yeah, I mean, it was, it was mixing those two worlds and people would believe Kurt, Kurt's a legit athlete and Rampage was a legit athlete. Sure. But it was the same thing. You, you couldn't get Rampage to, to go and work out and train. So it, it, it Seems fell like... apart before it ever started. So. It's in the book of bad ideas. It's in the and, book uh, of hor- horrible execution. Idea is not horrible because you, you've got two entities. You've got Bellator and you've got TNA. If they would have crossed and they truly would have worked together, then it could have been decent. But one has to, you know, you both have to give a little bit. And it was, it was TNA giving everything. And the MMA world didn't want to give up shit. And we wanted to have... Uh, who the hell do we want to have go down with him? We wanted to have uh, somebody walk walk down with Rampage and somebody walk down low, and they were, well, we can't mix the two on this. On, is not uh, on our show. You said a minute ago that uh, Dixie was kind of crazy for anything fringe celebrity. Yeah, we had Ronnie from the Jersey Shore. Okay. Yeah. Oh my God, we got Ronnie! Oh my God, we got Ronnie! What the? Who? What does Ronnie do? Something with Robbie E. Oh, okay, that it makes was sense. That that memorial memorable. We had we had the other uh, Jay Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ooh. Wow. We have big celebrities. What about Brooke Hogan? Brooke was uh, Hulk Hogan's daughter. Um, that was when I had my heart attack. <laughs> you, you've told me some good stories about her. Are you going to tell any of those here? What good stories did I tell you about her? An apartment. Well, no. She she moved to Nashville. She had a, a singing career that she wanted to continue and she moved to nashville that um to continue that and i I don't dare say that the folks on the nashville end of things held up their end of what was promised to her it was a situation where spike i think dixie i think hulk and not not even so much really hulk but where they saw an opportunity and and like, oh, my God, you know, we can get Brooke Hogan to come in and we can do all these albums with her and do all this music with her. But once they got her, nobody was prepared to do anything with her. And when the subject was brought up and the plans were all made was during the time that I was rehabbing after my uh, heart attack, the first one I had. Um, and I'm sitting there listening. They're they're laying out this idea and saying Brooke and Brooke, and I'm listening to it, going okay, because I'm thinking Brooke Adams, All right? And then it's like Brooke Hogan. I'm like, what the hell are we doing with Brooke Hogan? She's not even on the roster. I mean, what we don't. And then, you know, got on, but it was it was an ill conceived idea. It was one of those deals to I think in in their mind was to appease Hulk. When I don't know that Hulk was really ever. You don't think Hulk pushed for that? No. Come on. Okay. I'm sorry. Cause you were there and talked to him. 
I think Hulk, if he had his if he had his druthers, would definitely not have wanted her to be there. Would rather her just be in the music deal and only doing that. Hulk didn't want his daughter being a part of this stuff. I mean, he wants. If you were talent relations, how did you not negotiate her coming in? I did. After the fact, after it was already done. Okay. So, so okay. The, the, so everybody decides she's coming in, but yeah. not at what price point. Right. And so then you have to figure out and do some yeah. ninja and you, and you got maneuvering. Deal, and you got to deal with, with somebody on one side telling them one thing, and then that same person on the other side telling you something else. So Dixie's saying, we're going to promise you the moon, and then do you get her as cheap as you can. Correct. Well, I mean, yeah, I get that. Yeah. Uh, and so then you're the bad guy. Oh, without a doubt. Does she take issue or does Hogan get involved when you lowball? Um, they both took issue with it because, because so again, would you negotiate with him for her? No, I negotiated with her and then I negotiated with her agent and you know, Hulk, Hulk was out of it. Hulk didn't want to be in it, but, but Hulk did get involved when he was hearing from one side, one thing. And then hearing from his daughter, well, Bruce said this. So I get put in the middle of it. So Dixie tells Hogan, we're going to give you X, Y, and Z. And then she tells you, hey, just give her X. Yeah. And you call, offer X. Yeah. And then Hogan calls you, what the fuck? No, um, you're saying Hogan. They're, they're all Hogan's there. Oh, There's two Hulk, Hogan's Hulkster. There. Hulk, you know, Hulk got involved at, at some point saying, why am I hearing two different things? Yeah. And... There, you know, it was two different stories. And, and again, I'm in the middle and there were instances where, matter of fact, we were in Huntsville, Alabama I was and, at it, that show. and it came to a head and I, I'm trying to get Dixie, Hulk, Brooke and me all together. So we say, okay, here's, let's get all this shit on the table here. And, um, it was difficult to get the, uh. Dixie was playing games. It was difficult to get her to that table. Yeah. Never did. Because she knew that she right. would be out. Well, because, and again, uh, my thing is, is if you're going to have different H- Hogan, stories. Hogan just figured it out then. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I, I was in a really tough situation. There yeah. No it shit. was a no win. I'm, I'm, I'm dealing with a guy that I've known for, you know, at that point, close to 20 years um, or more and always had a good relationship with. And now you're dealing with his daughter, and he's hearing one thing from someone else, and then I'm getting other directives and information, and I don't know that Dixie's talking to him and to Brooke and things of that nature. What a mess. It was a mess. Um, let's talk about another mess that's kind of famous, and you've mentioned to me before we got to talk about the Bobby Roode contract situation. He's Let's tag, talk about it. He's a tag team champion. You're uh, running talent relations. Yep. You let his contract expire. No, I didn't. All right. Tell me what happened. You're talking about rumor in any way. I'll tell you what happened is that his contract rolled over. Whenever the contract rolls over, 90 days before the contract rolls over, I'm sent something from uh, the folks in in Dallas and TNA that that do the contracts and say, okay, Hey, are we going to roll this over or not? I then would sign off on an extension or a rollover. And I would send that to the talent saying, Hey, we are exercising our extension that we're going to roll your contract over for another year. And you know, that's it. 
Bobby had another year left on his contract. I had signed it well ahead of time. I had the emails. I had the uh, copy of the signature. I had everything. And I happened to be in Nashville. And we had TV, I want to say in Canada, but I could be wrong. Been wrong before. And uh, Bobby calls me and says, what's going on with my contract? I said, I don't understand what you mean. He says, well, my contract expires in three days or however many days it was, and I haven't heard anything from you guys. I said, Bobby, I sent you a, an extension. I said, I signed your, your rollover. I keep saying extension. It was a rollover. I said, I, I signed your rollover a couple months ago. Right. I pull up the, the email and everything, and I forward it to him because I never got this. Come on. Bobby, I said, you know, here it is. Well, here it is. The way his contract was, was that if we didn't exercise that rollover by such, like, I think 30 days out, then he had the option to negotiate and go elsewhere if he wanted to. I'm like, well, no, you don't have that option because I exercised our option 90 days ago. So, no, you don't have that. So I it went to investigate some more, and I went to the person that would have mailed out that original that I had signed. Who? It was uh, someone in the office, an assistant in the office. Dixie's assistant? Nope. Not going to mention her name. She's not there anymore. Doesn't matter. Dean Broadhead's assistant? Doesn't matter. Okay. And I asked her, I said, uh, hey, do you remember this? Yeah. I said, do you mail it out? Yep. I said, okay, great. I need the uh, the copy of the air bill. Know. Yeah. Yeah. And her face kind of went white. Mm. Like, uh, I just saw a ghost and, and I'm busting. And she says, well, I don't know if I can get that. And I said, well, sure you can. How'd you send it? FedEx? UPS? She said, yes. It's okay. Then you can get an air bill. Send me the air bill. I want to know who signed for it, when it was sent, and who signed for it. Go back. So, Bobby, they're getting it right now. Um, Serve it any minute. Yeah. I mean, somebody signed for it. Okay. I'm being told it was sent on such and such a date. So, I go back. So, where is it? Oh, well, you know what? We uh, had a problem with our Federal Express, and we uh, only use UPS now. Okay. Give me the UPS air bill. Well, we... So at that point, I knew from the first so, reaction, son of a bitch, they never sent it out. So what actually happened was, was that when I signed it, the um, the folks that were in charge of actually doing that felt that Bobby Roode wasn't necessarily necessary and that if his contract expired, then they wouldn't be obligated to pay him what his contract called for. And they could renegotiate at a lower rate. The problem with that is, is Bobby Roode was worth every penny that he was being paid, probably more. And we had a good deal on him. The other thing about it was, was we had him figured into our plans. Right. For a long, you know, we had long-term plans with Bobby. And I don't know if Dixie was aware of it or not. I made her aware of it when it happened that day. And there was a lot of finger pointing and, uh, you know, he said, she said, 
but I spent the the next week and the entire weekend of the pay-per-view that we had in San Antonio trying to get Bobby a new contract and and get him to stay. But no, I didn't let his contract expire. I did sign his rollover 90 days ahead of time. And there was someone in the office that didn't send it out and that was directed not to send it out. So that's what happened. Um, And I defy anyone at all to say otherwise. And I won't mention, I won't mention names because it's not, it's not worth it, but that is what happened. I did make Dixie aware of it. It was just kind of, you know, again, bury the head in the sand. Like it didn't happen. Just fix it and let, let's get him. Let's get a new contract and get him done. So they ended up paying a lot more money in the end. Mm-hmm. But there was a philosophy by those I'll call them in corporate and and those in Dallas that if you let something just go, that it would just go away, and there were no consequences. And I, I just hated that attitude. I hated being told by somebody that builds power plants that. Uh, wrestlers are just like plumbers. You can replace them with another plumber. And that analogy used to drive me absolutely nuts because a plumber can't paint a picture and tell a story. You're talking about Dallas. You're talking about shit screwed up in the mail. Uh, one screwed up in the mail wasn't done. Well, you know what I mean? Here's what I mean. There's lots of rumors and innuendo about guys not getting paid the checks in the mail, so to speak. Can you give me any other stories about guys not getting well, paid? Well, yeah. I mean, there there was a famous one, and, and, and I'll, I'll only speak about it when I was there. But there was a period where guys weren't getting paid for weeks. And unfortunately... What's typical? So you go do a taping in Orlando, and if things are the way they're supposed to be, at the end of the night, everybody gets an envelope, or they get a check in the mail that week? No, you get a or... check in the mail. And, and if you're under contract and you're supposed to be paid weekly... Get a check weekly. I mean, yeah, I get a check every two weeks, deposited yeah. into my account. Yeah. So again, when if you're on a deal where you're getting a weekly pay, you should be getting that pay weekly. Yeah. <coughs> so, you know, unfortunately, talent sometimes can let things go for a while, and they will not say anything until it's too late or it's a bigger problem than it needs to be. And so guys after, you know, three, four weeks are calling and say, Hey, I've got my check. Well, my first call is because I'm, I do payroll and I turn it in every week. I've got to have that. You know, I had to have that son of a bitch in earlier. I was like, Oh, you get it in late. We can't make checks. So I always made sure it was in early and I'm being told by folks in accounting in Dallas that this check, this check number for this amount went out on this date. So send that to me, send me your proof, show me where, you know, that went out and they're sending me emails, documenting exactly, you know, what check number, the amount for that check and the date that that check was put in the mail. So I'm telling the talent, this sounds pretty legit. I'm relaying the information back to the talent. I said, well, I haven't got it. Now that's cool, uh, and, and there the excuse in Dallas was one of, well, the, it must be their mailbox or their 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 post office, and that works if it's one particular post office. Like let's say if it was Tampa, Florida, 
and all the guys in Tampa weren't getting their checks. But when you've got a guy in Tampa and you've got a guy in Atlanta and you've got two guys in L.A. but in different parts of L.A., you got another guy in San Francisco, and they're all not getting their checks, you begin to question, well, it can't be all the post offices. It's got to be something else. Like, no, no, it was sent out on such and such dates. Now, you know, four weeks, three weeks, four weeks, goes to five weeks, six weeks. And finally, in, in every week, ah, have a beer for the working man. So it it gets to the point where guys are like saying, I can't afford to go to TV. I haven't been paid in all these weeks. I'm getting upset with accounting. They're sending me documentation where they're telling me these these were these have all gone. I don't know what else we can do. I said, I know what we can do. Stop it down. Put a stop payment on all those checks cut new that you set out. No, cut one new one. Cut one new one for the total amount because they haven't got them. You're telling me they haven't been cashed yet. Right. Okay, you got that record right. Well, yeah. So stop payment on them, issue me one check, and I want you to put that in an overnight Federal Express and send it out to all these guys that haven't got their money. It's five guys. Well, we can't do overnight. Why not? Fuck you. You can do overnight. No, no, we got to do two-day air. Is that a Janus directive? I guess. Came from Dallas. So, like. Look, get the guys their money. Because guys were, I mean, they couldn't afford to go park their car at the airport to go to work. Yeah. Because they're not getting paid. All right. I show up at TV, and everybody got overnights, thank God, even though I had to call them and say, hey, it's going to be two-day air. They were pissed off about. They get their overnight, and I've got three guys waiting on me when I arrive at TV. And they've got Federal Express envelopes in their hand. And they say, look at this shit. And they hand me the envelopes. I'm like, you got paid. Okay, you, you finally got it. Everything good? No, I want you to look at what they sent us. I open up the Federal Express, and there are sealed checks. Well, they weren't sealed anymore, but there were checks with postmarks on them for the dates that match up with the same emails that I sent them that I got from accounting. Oh, that they took, they didn't cancel, stop payment any checks. They they had been making out the checks. Them. They had been running them through the postal machine. The pitney bows. But they never mailed never them. sent them. Never so mailed had, them. They had postage on them. They had postage so on them. So it looked legit. Yeah. But they well, just let them stack. It looks legit. But when you tell someone they've already gone in the mail and then you put them in a FedEx and send it to them. It looks stupid as shit. Well, yeah. Oh my God! And you and and they're telling me that you they sent them, and they're telling me we're going to do a stop payment and we're going to issue the one check just like you asked. You look like such an idiot. The big biggest idiot. Yeah. And I'm furious. Who are the three guys? I'm not going to mention their names. Are they there now? Uh, no. Okay. None of them. And surprise, surprise. One, I mean, you know, one of them was an old friend of mine. 
that I'd been with in another company mm-hmm. that was in a, in a state. I was like, you know what? You come with me. He goes, I can't get a hotel room. I can't. I said, you come. You stay with me. You stay in my room. You ride to the uh, show with me. Whole nine yards. You know, took him in, made sure that he was taken care of. And, and it was horrible. Mm-hmm. Because here were guys that hadn't been paid. But you were and being paid. I was getting paid, yeah. Hogan was getting was. paid. I'm sure he was. Actually, you know what? I don't even know that. I don't know. I know Hogan had some pay issues during the time there. Yeah, he did. I'm sure just saying, did. it seems like certain guys got paid, but they thought they could get well, away with it. Well, I was an employee, it. so I was, I was in the loop. But yes, but some did. Some did and some didn't. And that's what just infuriated the hell out of me. But I brought it, I brought it to Dixie's attention that day. And instead of going, Shock. well, damn it, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to go, go back this. to Dallas and, and show my mom and fix this thing. It was like, well, they got paid. Mm. And that was kind of one, that was the beginning of the end in a lot of She looked at it like it was a vendor and there's a lot of businesses who will push an invoice on a vendor, you know, because they just assume there's some big company. It's and, your talent. It's your lifeblood. It's your yeah, product. Absolutely. It's a totally different deal. It's and, not. It's not like they're they're screwing their production. But company. but I'm the guy that has to deliver the message, and now my message has zero credibility, right? Because they're no. looking at me going, "You knew? No, were, I didn't know. Were you in the I'm, office? I'm forwarding. No, I was in Houston. But it wouldn't have mattered if I was in the office. I, it was I coming out think, of Dallas, out of a county. I, I'm not arguing that. I just find it curious that you weren't in the office, but you were getting paid, and some of these guys. Are I was not an employee. Office. I wasn't a contract. And and they viewed that differently. I don't know how the hell they viewed it. I, I can't rationalize or tell you how the hell they viewed anything. They were people that didn't give a shit about other human beings. Mm. They sure as hell didn't care about talent. And they viewed the business as a power plant. And a plumber is a plumber is a plumber is a plumber that can be replaced by another plumber. And I never looked at talent as plumbers or electricians. So is it any surprise? And I'm not taking anything away from a plumber or electrician because that's a skill. Sure. And a good one is worth his weight in gold. Absolutely. And but a talent. I get what you mean. One's a trade, and one's like you know artistic. Right. Blah blah blah. Um, run me through this. Is this is there any surprise that they lose their lease at Cummins Station for non-payment? Is there any surprise that they have a state tax lien in Tennessee? Is there any surprise that American Express is suing them for travel? Is there any surprise that a production company is owed a quarter million dollars and and they were you know, promised multiple payments and then only made one. And surprise is the wrong word. I'm actually, I'm, I'm absolutely shocked that it didn't happen a lot sooner. I knew you were going to say that. Yeah. Mick Foley wanted out of his contract. How did, how did that come about? Well, Mick, uh, when I came in, Mick was there, Mick was on his way out. And when I took over talent relations, Mick was disgruntled. Mick, um, for whatever reason, wanted out of his contract and creatively or were they screwing with his money uh no i don't think that the, the, they had the screwing with the money thing at that time this was in 2011 and mick called me from the road and, and was upset and said i want my release and i came from that vince mcmahon school of didn't want unhappy campers around me and if he wanted out it made sense for us okay so i said okay mick i'll give you a release that was it that was it rick flair quit he sure did by text. By text? Yeah. 
How does that go? Besides the fact that I know every word was capitalized. <laughs> well, if you've ever, if everybody ever says they got a text message from Ric Flair and the first letter of every word wasn't capitalized, it's bullshit. You know, Rick, Rick was in a situation where, you know, same, same type of thing. They, they would make agreements, uh, up front where this is all we want you to do. We want you to do this. And then once they get you in, try to sweet talk you and try to get you to do, you know, 10 things that you never agreed to do. And I think Rick felt that he was a victim of that. And there was a point where Rick just was fed up. Rick didn't want to make the towns anymore. Rick didn't want to be on the road anymore. And Rick didn't want to be doing all these extras. Yeah. They, and, they had him doing meet and greets before shows and, Right. Lots of other stuff that but, he did. But it was, it was a lot. Of, it was a combination of a lot of things. House shows. And I think that, uh, you know, Rick, as you, you and I both know, when he's had enough, he's had enough. Yeah. And he had enough. Yeah. And he called me and, and said, Bruce, I'm not going to do it. Um, I want out. I'm done. So he sent you a text. And well, then we, you we talked him? first. We okay. talked first. And then, you know, I said, well, Rick, um, can you do this for me? Can we get through this weekend? And he and he's well, you know, no, I can't do it. And then we hung up, and he sent me a text. He says, "I'm sorry, I'm out, I'm done, I quit." It was different than that, but that was the gist of it. There were some, there were some words in there. No, it was very nice to me. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It was he very lo- nice. He loves me. you. And uh, but it was it was to the point. You know, he was done. Didn't want to do it anymore. Uh, Sting was there when you got there, but it seems like there was a little dance every year to see if you could re-sign him. Uh, there's rumors and innuendo that Dixie always had a hard on to have him on the roster. Is that Dixie or is it Spike? Where does that come from? Tell me about re-signing him every Dixie, year. Dixie loved him, man. Dixie just felt she had to have Sting. And, um. Why though? Do you know why she thought she, so felt, he, she felt he was, you know, the big megastar. She felt he was TNA's megastar, even though he was WCW's megastar. And um, it, it was it was one of those situations where... I'll, I'll give you an example. Uh, and this is not Sting, but it kind of ended, ended up being Sting in reverse. There were guys who had contracts that had guaranteed dates. For example, 120 dates guaranteed in their contract. Mm-hmm. Where you're going to get 120. That's a lot. We're going to pay you, uh, let's say, $1,000 for 120 dates per year. But they only had 76 dates. But they're still paying talent on 120 dates. Yeah. Because they had contracts. And that shit just drove me nuts. Because I'm yeah. like, going, Use them. how the hell can you guarantee. 60 more dates or 50 more dates Whatever it is. than you even have yeah. that you are going to have. Why don't you under basically guarantee, let's, for example, let's say 50 dates, but they get bonused if they work 70 dates. Sure. That way you're not losing money. That's a Brock Lesnar deal. And, and if you use them, you pay them. Prorate it. Yeah. Right. It's, to me, I thought it was a pretty simple formula. Sure. But there were so many of those deals like that that they were upside down. But so, Sting's so, deal was less dates, but they wanted him to work more. If you're the talent relations guy, why are you fucking this up over and over? 
I inherited a lot of <laughs> fucked up shit. And here's is and that here's, what Terry Taylor screwed up that got him out of there? I don't even know that Terry was responsible. Terry was responsible maybe for some of it. I don't know the yeah. extent that Terry was responsible. And I can't blame Terry for that once I got in and saw the inner workings of. But every time they had a different lawyer, every time they had a different CFO, every time they had a different uh, next in, in charge, that which you would see where the different contracts came in. I changed the contracts to do a downside guarantee, send the guys minimum weekly, which they never had before, and then pay them on a per date basis. Thought it was simple because guys then knew exactly how much they were going to get every week. They knew if they worked TV, they got X amount um, per TV. Would would you say that there was um, a percentage? Like, let's freestyle this. Let's say you've got a talent like a Bobby Roode, and he's at whatever level he's at with TNA. If he was on that same storyline level with WWE, but his money had been 60% of what the WWEs would have been had he been on the road full-time and had the power of merchandise and pay-per-view at the time, but it would have been 70%, 40%. You were pre- kind of privy to what both numbers would look like. I don't want you to give me a real number, and I'm not talking about Bobby Roode specifically. I just mean in general. In general, they were. I would say, for the most part, they were probably at about 85%. Wow, okay. Yeah. For a fraction of the dates. Yeah. So TNA is a pretty damn good deal. TNA was a great deal for guys that didn't want to work a lot. But the problem was... Work your ass off and go all over the world for 15% more or yeah. chill out a little more and have a better quality of life for 15% it, less. Well, exactly. But the, the, but the problem was... Was that if they, the checks don't come. They, they try, well, and if the checks don't come, but they would guarantee you... I see. A lot more... But and they then, wouldn't get the work out of you. And it's not like they're getting I mean, a big there, there check was one the guy. The there was one guy that was there. This was a classic. This was this was one that that one of the first ones that I that I cut when the contract was coming up. They had guaranteed in their contract ninety dates. Okay, the most dates they could have worked was seventy something. Okay, but they actually only worked. 40 something because every time that they would call the person to go to work, they said, well, I've got an independent that night. I can't do it. They said, okay. So they were going out making money on the independence, getting a weekly check based on their 90 date guarantee, only working 40, but then double dip and saying, I can't work for you on that night. Cause I've already got another guy over here. If you're me. talent relations, why can't you stop that? I did. Okay. You're not going to tell me who that is. No, I'm not. Does his name? I'll right? tell. I'll tell you. I'll tell you off air so that so you can come back next week. Well, you told me off air. I can't do you. Uh, I mean, yeah. I, I'm going to work on you. It starts with hey hey. Uh, hey hey does hey, it, hey hey. It's Conrad. Does his name rhyme with Hardy? No. Okay. No, I wouldn't tell you if it did. Until we stop rolling. Um. Man, we got a lot to get into. There's no way we're going to get all this. How in. long is this thing going? Are we going to have to do two parts? Are we going to have to get into the nitty gritty? I don't. Just... I, I think we can hustle. Let's run through this real. How fast. long is this gone, Conrad? The ECW revival stuff. Were wasn't you for it or against? Well, against some it. Of no, it was I wasn't still there. I wasn't around. there, and I was against it. Uh, Ric Flair's Hall of Fame in 2012. I brokered it. Uh, tell me how that works. Uh, Johnny Ace called me. Hey, Bruce. Hi, it's Johnny. Uh Hey, we got an idea. I want to use Rick. 
uh, I think maybe we could work something out. Wouldn't tell me what the idea was at first. I uh, floated it, see if there was any interest in working. I thought it was a good idea. Um, we went back and forth when it was time to do the big conference call because once attorneys got involved on both sides, tended to muddy the waters and screw it all up. What did TNA want? Do they want money, talent, or both? All the above. They wanted money. They wanted talent exchange. You know, okay, well, if we give you Ric Flair, then we want uh, Brooklyn Brawler. No. But that, you, Did they ask for, like, John Cena or something? No, they didn't. They asked for Christian, and they got Christian. No, they, no, no. I mean, uh, if uh, you're you're giving them Ric Flair... And instead of, didn't even ask for Rock or Cena or Orton or, no, we want a Christian. When you call, I assume you call Vince directly. I called Johnny. I dealt with, with Johnny. Okay. And then uh, Vince was going to get on with Johnny and their attorney with me and our attorney and stuff. So does Laurinaitis say no Rock, no Cena? We didn't know. No, Dixon, Dixon Rock, and Cena, Rock and Cena were not discussed. They just went straight for Christian. Yeah. That's real. I'm going to throw, I mean, this, this, is not, gonna throw this fucking headset across the room. This is not a rib. No, it's not a rib. I love Christian, but it seems, I love Christian it seems really random. But I would rather, I would ask for... Cena! Yeah. I mean, you know, you're going to get a no, but ask. Ask. <laughs> yeah. You start off with a no. <laughs> That's right, yeah. And work, and, you yeah. know, I don't mean to say that, but you work down. I no, mean, I, you know, I, I love Jane to death, tippy but. top, so... Um, wow. All right. Listen, this isn't about a specific guy's payoff. How much money did they ask for? Who? TNA. I didn't think you were going to say yes. They asked for money. I thought it was strictly talent, but they're asking for money. Well, yeah, well, they thought they, well, WWE will get money out of it. Um, but the, the deal was simply. 100,000? No. God damn. Uh, the, the deal was very simple. The deal was whatever they were paying Rick, we would pay their guy and. And be done with it. Oh, that's okay. what the deal ended up. But no, they they well, want they nice. wanted a lot of money. I mean, they 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 want felt that well we'll we'll get you know hundred thousand dollars on it. No, they didn't ask for that, folks. Um, that's for fifty. It, it was made it was made real clear what they were willing to do on their side. And at first, they you know they didn't offer up a talent swap. They just wanted Rick. And they were gonna, just going to pay money. Uh huh. Oh well. Okay. And, you know, I came back and said, we got to get, like, we, we get something else out of this. Sure. And it was my idea to at least get talent back. And Especially I, was, when I you... was shocked when it was like, well, ask, ask, think we can get Christian? Is that Dixie Carter? I don't know. No, no. I think it's Yes, Dixie. it was. Dixie really wanted to get. So yeah. Christian had been there She before. had a relationship with Christian. And yeah, Christian yeah, yeah. meant something to them. And he's was, a great he guy. He's one of the world champions. Yeah. He is a great guy. Yeah. But it's just, it is random. Um. Rick was going to do it either way. I'm sure. Exactly. I mean, there's no way you were keeping so you him might off as, the So deal. you might as well, you know, make it as best as you can. Get the exposure of a guy on your TV, on their TV, and get somebody from their, from theirs on yours. I mean, you might as well make it the best you can. On this conference call, is this the first time you talked to Vince in a long I, time? I wasn't on the conference call. I had a heart attack right before it. You didn't speak to Vince at all? Uh, I did speak to him one time before that to set up the conference call. 
but it was short and just kind of, well, you know what, let's get everybody together. And, you know, my philosophy, and which came from him, you know, whenever there's disputes and there's he said, she said, get he and out. she together sure. and say, okay, here, you know, let's, let's get all this shit out now so it's not finger pointing after the fact. And anything else you want to discuss about that Hall of Fame? No, I th- I thought it was beneficial to everybody. I'm glad Rick got to do it. It was win-win. It was win-win. Uh, he's my boy, but I got to ask. He had a reputation for having a really good time in Orlando and running up some crazy tabs occasionally and getting a draw. And supposedly took that a little far on a European tour. TNA turned down the draw. He says, I'm I wasn't not. a part of that then, but I do, no, you I heard do the know story. the story. I did hear the story. Yeah. Rick and I have never even talked about it because I just, you know, I never thought about it until just now. But it's like TNA, Ric Flair. Hey, what about this? Uh, you don't have any memory of that? I just remember hearing the story, but I wasn't there. There is a, a perception, and this may be rumors and innuendo, that a lot of the guys would get together. I don't know, Universal or something. There's some bar there that everybody would go to after the shows. Supposedly, Kevin Nash would get Dixie Carter boozed up. A lot of the guys would hang out. Did this become just the norm to go hang out and drink after the shows, and it becomes kind of a party atmosphere when they're doing tapings down there? Can you share any fun stories about that or going out with the guys and Dixie and company and maybe how that would be different from when you would do it with Vince in New York? Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. Well, the, the bar was the hotel bar, but I didn't frequent it a lot. I tried to stay away um but you know there there was that bar i wasn't there when kevin nash was there so i don't know what kevin did with with dixie or at any time oh, i didn't mean to imply that they did well no I, i'm just saying i wasn't i wasn't there so i don't know if if that was the same place they hung out at one time i believe they had like a hotel suite that they all used to party in and um that was all before my time and you know, later on, it, it was a different atmosphere. You know, when we went out, um, yeah, tell there, us a there, good... was, there, there were separate checks for everybody versus, you know, Vince McMahon would pick up the tab and you mean separate checks same. with all the boys. Yeah. Wait, help me understand. Are you I'm saying, say, I'm saying that are it, you saying it, Dixie is there and she's not picking up the tab. That's happened. Really? Let's just say that's happened. Yeah. So help me understand. Like, There'd be, I'm just freestyling. There's 12 of y'all at like a big table or a big section uh, and everybody's just having shots and doing drinks and eating oysters or whatever the hell people do when they're hanging out. Right. And then, you know, closing time. And she says, Hey, bring everybody their bills. No, it's just, okay. What'd you have? And wait, wait. pay up. <laughs> you're asking me now you're laughing. I mean, well, it was just, on. it was a different environment. Break, you know? Does Dixie ask for the check and then says, Nebrus, did you have the oysters? Because the oysters were $17. I think I had tacos. That's a real thing though. Might have and then she says, you owe $23 and holds her hand out. I don't think she held her hand out. I think everybody just kind of said, well, I had this and how much is it? And paid. How fucking shocked is everybody at this? It was a different environment. 
Every, it was right. I was cool with it. Don't you do that when you take everybody out? Uh, you've, you've don't, been, don't, don't you sit there and, and itemize every detail and say, well, well, okay, but did you get you're burying sweet, me right did now? Did you get a sweet tea and then you got a diet coke because they charge us for both? Don't you did do that? Did you just make that up, or is that a real example? I just made that up. Okay, I was really hoping <laughs> that there was going to be a Dixie Carter sweet tea story. No, no, and, and I like Dixie, man. Dixie was in a tough. Was position. Bischoff around for any of this? Not nah, well, because Bischoff has Bischoff has made a lot of money in his life, and, and I've a seen lot Eric, of money dude, in the wrestling and business. No, and Eric Bischoff has picked up so many tabs; it's pathetic around me. He's picked up many of my tabs. Phenomenal guy gets a bad rap. Yes, he does. He picked up a lot of Dixie's tabs. All right. If there was a tab to be had, and there wasn't somebody picking it up. Eric Bischoff was usually the first one to pick it up. Two and that more. came out of his ass, not out of a you know, what expense was your, account. What, I was wanted to ask. What was your expense account when you were at WWE? $35 a day at TNA. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. $35 a day? Yeah. And they had some kind of, I think, lunch. I think, uh, I think breakfast couldn't be over like eight dollars, and lunch couldn't be over like fifteen or. Well, I don't they know had guidelines for specific meals. Yeah, that's Janice. Okay, I'm just asking. Yeah, uh, what was the uh, what was the deal? What was the expense account with Vince? <laughs> Take care of it, pal. How much was it? Okay. Um, they give you like a company credit card at TNA. I did have a company credit card. Okay. Uh, they fly you first class. They flew me first class. I'm a big guy. You don't want to say something there, so we'll move along. No, that you asked uh, the decision. What, hang on, you, you said, asked, you said they you flew, asked you said they flew me. They which did, in, which implied there, but you won't believe who they didn't. But you're not going to share that. That's not what I implied. I simply, you asked a question. You had a shit Did they fly, did they you, fly you first class? I said yes. Okay, cool. They're very good to me in that regard. And yes, I did fly first class. It was one of the things I asked for. It's amazing. They're flying you first class and the other guys are not getting their checks. Um, drove me nuts. It's silly. It, it is silly. Make, it doesn't right. make any sense. Hulk I agree H- with you. Hulk Hogan with Ric Flair wrestles Sting in Philadelphia for Bound for Glory 2011 for the storyline control of the company. Uh, it only draws like... 3,500 folks or so. Did you guys think that Hogan was going to be a bigger draw? How difficult was that to get the match in the ring? It seems like at this point, Hogan, it's really. Well, the, the difficulty of getting the match in the ring was Hulk's physical shape because he had had several back surgeries and, and it just was Whose idea constant. Was Whose idea was what? Booking Hogan in a match in 2011. Well, Vince Russo was doing the TV and the creative at that time. So I guess it was Vince Russo's. Okay. I didn't, I didn't really get into the creative uh, taking that over until right after that. So right, even right though you were frame. talent relations here, are you are you dealing with Hogan, or is that somebody you just don't have to mess with? I dealt with Terry um, on the fringe. I mean, we, we talked creative. We talked. We talked. But, um, you know. There was lots of uncertainty around this match as to whether or not it was going to happen. Well, the, the, uncertain, the uncertainty was, was Hulk physically going to be able to do it because of his back situation. That's all it was. Why would they book it and promote it? Because when it was booked and when the storyline started, he was feeling okay. He was feeling okay and felt that he would be able to go. So you, you take somebody at their word saying, I'll be able to go. In the meantime, 
something else happens. You, you book it, you go for it, you're going long. Then something uh, else he's working, happens. He's working He's out, a human being. Something. Okay. And it's like, so oh, there's, shit. There's no, there's no, no malicious. No, yeah. God, no. Just, you know. Okay. You know, Hulk is another one that gets gets a bad rap. Super you know? great to me every time I've met him. Remembered my name from one offhand meeting with Rick years ago. I thought that was really random. Very yeah. nice guy. Um, the decision to go to live TV on the road. Yeah. Talk to me about it. Is this kind of what helps? I, I push for that heavily. I, I did push for That's that. That's you idea. That is my me idea. It was me. It was me and Eric Bischoff. Uh, I felt that live would help give us an edge. The issue was simply cost and you know resources. So we looked at it, how could we effectively do it? And the decision was made that we could do two tapings in one day with one of them being live for, and then tape the next week right after that. And give me the pros of, of taping on the road, sell me on it. A different environment, an enthusiastic crowd that actually paid for your product versus people that are coming in out of the hot sun in an amusement park to sit down for a little while and be in some air conditioning and don't give a shit about what the hell's in front of them. So tell me how you really feel about the impact zone. Hated it. Um, so the, the idea was to have a paying crowd and have people that were actually invested in your product that are going to come out and want to see your show. The other idea about it was actually charging someone to come to an event, but it also build up a big event, make it a bigger event and have people pay money and get revenue from the gate from the gate to help go towards your production costs versus paying money to record a show on a sound stage, pay everybody and then let everybody in for free where you get no comp- you get you get no return at all. And so the idea was to do it on the road so at least you're getting something cuz you're going to have to fly everybody in to Orlando anyway. anyway. Yeah, yeah. And Take it on the road, at least do it someplace where you got some revenue coming in off the live gate, but plan it out. We pitched this idea, we laid it out, we studied the hell out of it, and we thought, okay, in 90 days, you know, three to four months, let's plan for this and let's do it. Went from let's plan for this and let's do it to, oh my God, we're going live next Thursday. And it's like, well, fuck. You know, now we've got 10 days or whatever it was to sell a venue. It was ready, shoot, aim. Yes. Yeah. Um, and, and it was, I don't, it wasn't ill-conceived. It was thought out. And, and, I mean, we actually did do studies. We actually did look at break-even points. We did look at markets where we felt that we could draw a house in a smaller venue and do television, and hopefully at least break even on your production. Who was in charge? Versus going in the hole right. on every production. Who was in charge of finding uh, local promoters to help sell tickets for these live events? Because that's a separate side of this television production business we've been talking uh, about. That, so I guess that was Andy Barton and the marketing people. I don't know. It was a fucking mess, though. Oh, it was a horrible mess. Because uh, well, nobody cared. Yeah. They were happy if they drew 500 people as long as they did their $34 a head merchandise. Are you saying real numbers right now? Like 
that's what their goal was, $34 They were happy, yeah. So it didn't matter the number of tickets sold as long as the merch per head was there. No, I'll tell you, we we did a show in Dallas, uh, pay-per-view, and it was Austin uh, Aries and Jeff Hardy, and it was legit, you know, 5,000 people sold tickets. Actually, people bought tickets to see the event. Yeah. It was one of the largest uh, gates and houses in TNA history at the time. Yeah. And they were upset. Why? Because I think they only did like $15 a head or something like that. For for merchandise. For merchandise. And I'm like, so we just drew more money than you have in the history of the company. But your average is down. Sold more tickets than you ever have for any event. But you're upset. Well, the the per head went in half. But you had 4,500 more people paid to the event. Which would have been a bigger than your net. other average. Been a bigger net, yeah. It's bigger across the board. Of course, of course. You sold more merchandise, but because you saw, oh my God, we're going to have 5,000 people. Do you think some of that motivation, what you're saying right there, sounds like somebody who's paid based on what the average is? Mm-mm. Why it sounds care? like somebody that has no clue what the hell they're doing in the business that they have invested in that sits in dallas texas and doesn't understand and only looks at per heads and says well we did 34 this is a failure well that's simple math though what you're saying it is simple math but they're not looking at both sides of it they don't want to look at the fact that okay we drew 4500 more so to them we should have gotten that 4500 the 35 or 38 dollars per head off of the 5000 like we do with our 500 yeah Still did great. Right. Still did money. Still made a lot of money. So uh, I want to get to Andy Barton in a minute, but overall. There's not much to get to. Do you think that the decision to move to live tapings was a smart one or it was just they didn't have the right staff to make it happen? Well, it's I easy think to armchair quarterback now. Sure it is. Um, I think it was a smart one, uh, but I don't think that it was smart in the way it was executed. I yeah. thought that it was rushed into. We weren't ready. We laid out the idea, and we wanted to plan it out and make a big deal out of it. Mm-hmm. Didn't happen. It was like, okay, let's go live. Okay, let's do it. We're going to do it next Thursday. Uh, everybody wants to know this, uh, whether we want to talk about it or not. We probably ought to. And then we'll run through the rest of this behind-the-scenes names list, and we'll get out of here. Victory Road, 2011, the Jeff Hardy story. Um kind of curious through what happens did you see jeff earlier in the day i did i saw jeff earlier in the day i saw jeff about seven o'clock that night so about the time the pay-per-view starting yeah so where are you sitting for this pay-per-view i was all over i mean i i wasn't sitting anywhere i kind of was all over so you're not just working the gorilla position no no for that one i was producing backstage stuff and interviews and kind of all over uh does everybody in the wrestling business call the gorilla position the gorilla position no, in TNA, they called it the go position. You know, you can get cock-a-doodle-doo on your other show that you do, and you can ask him all these questions. He named it the go position? I guess. Okay. I think it was a holdover from So you're WCW. all over here in 2011 um, for Victory Road. Bischoff's a part of the show. Correct. Vince Russo is here for the show. Correct. The main event is Sting. 
He's going to be challenging for the world title with Jeff Hardy uh, in the main event. And you see him two, two and a half hours prior to, and he's fine. Matt Hardy's on this show. He works a couple matches before Jeff. When do you first realize, Houston, we have a problem? When uh, Jeff's music started and they're yelling for Jeff and Jeff wasn't there. And I left the area of the gorilla position there where I've been standing to go try and find Jeff. And when so I went outside. Nobody had smartened you up at that point. Smartened me up to what? That Jeff's fucked up. Nobody knew Jeff was fucked up at that point. Okay. So I go outside and I see two guys carrying Jeff. His feet are literally dragging the ground. Who are the guys? Bruno and Tilly, two guys that work there. Okay. Um, and so they're just Bruno trying to. Bruno and Tilly, underrated. Great guys, busted ass. I got to give them a shout out because they're two good guys. And Jeff was out of it. Jeff was Jeff was under the influence of something. Yeah. And he was out of it. And they got Jeff to the grill position. And while we're sitting there talking about he's in no shape to go out there, he just walked out. He just walks right past you? Well, he didn't walk, not like right in front of us, but we we're standing there. And next thing you know, I'm looking on the monitor and go, oh, my God, he's out. How does that happen? Uh, okay. You and I are talking. Yeah. Okay. And he walks right by and just goes. You don't think he's going to go out, but he did. So, so, so nobody thought it was necessary to like take him by the hand and sit him down. They just thought, hey, he knows well, you he don't, We didn't up. think he was capable of okay. getting up the stairs. He's weekend to Bernie's almost. Yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. now he's meandering down the ramp. Yeah. You have to be shitting bricks. Yeah. So you're seeing the monitor. You're standing and with Bischoff and who else? Eric was there. Sting was there. Um, we got Dixie there just saying, hey, you know, she's. Where does she normally watch the show? I don't know. She likes to watch out in the crowd. But she's back for this. Well, yeah, we got her back there for that. I said, hey, he can't. Well, you know, he's he'll be all right. What's Russo saying? Well, Russo was in the truck. So I ran out to the truck to tell Russo what was going on because I didn't want to talk about it over the. Uh, yeah. Uh, headsets so went out and i said Man, even though it was gotta... apparent but you still wanted to respect a little bit of privacy or just yeah not just hear the dirty laundry right not you know go get on a podcast and talk about all this shit so uh we came back and eric and i discussed we said well he can't work a match and it was just it was unprofessional it was uncalled for and, and we talked to sting and said need you to go out there and just beat him um just go out scale of one to ten how pissed off is sting sting was pissed sting was about a 108 on a scale of one to ten at that point and is he screaming and cussing no he doesn't scream and cuss he was seething he was (laughs) mad inside where it counts it was apparent yeah and i said you know you just need to go out there and get him down pin him Tell ref count three. We had Eric go out and actually try to tell Jeff, hey, we're going to beat you. Just lay down and let's get Bischoff out of Bischoff goes out. Yeah, Bischoff went out. And says, hey. He cut a promo and then he put the microphone down and went over and told Jeff. Told Sting. And that's what we're going to do. And it was like a minute. And he pinned yep, him. And he pinned him. And was there any Jeff thought to, hey, we really screwed the fans here on a main event. We need to send somebody else out there and have another match after I realize you still had to deliver that, but it was horseshit. So was there any thought like, man, let's send Matt Hardy out or let's send Van Damme out or something? At that point, it was more of a shock and let's get the fuck out of it. 
um, cut our losses. There wasn't anybody right there to to send out. Yeah, and because and a lot of guys may not realize this, but it's not like people imagine. When when your match is over, you go get your shit and you leave the building. Yeah, and you know it was unfortunate. And Jeff left right after that. And wait, hang on. What do you say to him after the match? I didn't say anything to him. What did Bischoff say? Bischoff did. He left. Jeff kind of like just disappeared. I don't know if he went off the side or whatever, but. No one saw when he came back, and he disappeared. But Terry was uh, Terry Taylor was in charge of talent relations at that time, and then well, that's not his. This isn't his fault. Hang on. Okay. Can I finish my story? Yeah. So when I came in and and took over talent relations, and Terry unceremonially had left, um, they asked me, "So what are you going to do about Jeff Hardy?" So, well, t- first of all, tell me what was done about Jeff Hardy. Yeah, that's a fair question. I said, well, what do you mean? I said, well, is he f- f- suspended? Is he, you know, what was the fine? When's he coming back? What What are we doing here? I said, well, I don't know. No they one did ever, nothing? No one ever talked to him. He left that night, and allegedly no one ever talked to him. How long ago? I mean, how much time passes? At this point, probably about four weeks. So they've been sending him checks every week for a month. Oh, I'm sure they didn't miss his. But nobody talked to him. Nobody talked to him. This is the ostrich analogy you started talking about at the beginning Correct. of the show. Yeah. So, what's so your... I had to be the shit heel and call him and say, hey, man, you know, um, it's unprofessional and put us in a shitty position, put you in a sh- shitty position, and we're going to have to suspend you until you can get some help. So the idea was for him to get some counseling, get some help, and when he was right, bring him back. And he did that. You know, he was going through some tough shit at the time. He did that. He got it cleaned up, and um, I never saw him even remotely to where you could think, well, I wonder if he's had a drink or something like that. Uh, Not once. And got his shit straight. Came back, apologized to the locker room. Everybody accepted it and was a model citizen. And now he's reinvented himself, and he and his brother both are reinvented and relevant again. Yeah, and it's important to say here, we're not burying Jeff Hardy. It's really a, a positive story. He no, had a lot of challenges. it's a success story. Absolutely. He had a lot of challenges in his life in 2011. He has uh, an arrest, um, and he you know worked through that, worked through this, and now seemingly on the other side and doing real well. So. Yep. Uh, it's a success story and he got the, you know, he's, he's still very beloved by all the guys. I don't know anybody who dislikes Jeff Hardy. Nope. Uh, he is here in TNA. Jeff Hardy's here. Uh, well, we're not in TNA. Oh, oh uh, yeah. Thank God. We don't have a tax lane either. Uh, we, he's here in TNA and I've got insurance so. real tied for, I mean, let's just call it like it is. He was one of the most over talents in WWE and he winds up in TNA for a reason similar to the one that Kurt Angle's here for your head of talent relations. Y'all just don't drug test shit down there. Am I right? They drug test people. No, they did drug test people. How does that work? How do these guys who are super over and stars and needle movers in both places and specifically we're saying Kurt Angle and Jeff Hardy can't make it work in WWE 
No problem in TNA. Well, the drug tests were for the athletic commissions in the different states, like uh, I want to say Washington State or Oregon and the states that had them. So they had to do a drug test. And at the first of the year, uh, they would come in, do physicals, do drug tests, and send them out. That's it. That's it. How did you if feel? There was reason, if there was reason to suspect someone was on drugs, and we'd do a drug test. How many times do you remember doing that, freestyle that? Uh, I know I did it at least three times. Same guy? Um, no. Three different guys? Two different guys. Okay. And the idea was you didn't feel like they were safe. You felt like they were a hazard to other people. What was the motivation? What gets you to say, oh, we got a drug test, that guy? Just Dude, to catch him? Un- got oh, God, you. no. No. I mean, that, that's, a that's, horrible, that's a horrible reason to, to No, do I agree. The, if someone is, is impaired, you don't want them out there potentially to hurt, hurt someone so rather else than, and hurt themselves. So rather than just look at them and do, do the eye test and say, hey, you're fucked up, you can't go. Instead, you just say, hey, I need you to do me a favor. I and, did both. Okay. I gave them an opportunity to tell me. And if they said no, then you followed up with, here okay, it is. great, cool, man. Then you got no problem because, doing this. Because there's a feeling here, and I'm one of them, that, that feel that you... You're not right. So I'm going to need you to put this in here so that I can then take it away from everybody that thinks you might be a little fucked up right now. Wow. That's yeah. a real way to pitch it. But then if they balk at having a piss in the bottle, then you have your doubts. Or they take it right then and go go do their business and hand it back to you and it's clean. And you go, okay, man, something's not right. we got to fix it. And But if they you know, come Did back and they're dirty... So you had your chance. You could have told me. So this is like one of those GNC tests that you just do right then? No, it was it was with the facility. Uh, I believe it was Aegis or something like How'd that. How would you turn it so fast? In Orlando? You, you didn't. You had to give it to them. You didn't get the result back for like a day or two. Okay. But uh, I wouldn't let them work if there was suspicion. Oh, okay. No. Okay. Uh, but you still paid them. I mean, they're innocent until proven guilty. Right? They are. Um. Is there, just for the record, they were all guilty, but sure, I have no doubt. Is there any sort of um, commentary you can give? I mean, I just want you to just don't work it. I mean, just shoot from the hip here. Jeff Hardy and Kurt Angle are superstars, big needle movers. Vince clearly sees, man, this is fucking bad, and and Vince gives a lot of latitude, and these guys find their way to TNA still. And have careers there. Is there n- no responsibility there whatsoever, you think? Or, what do you mean? Well, I mean, Vince doesn't just turn down money. He's not allergic to money. So for him to take a pass on these guys, there's something there. Yeah. No concern for their safety. It's just, oh, look what we got. Well, I think that I, I can tell you... When I got there, and I would ask questions, I would say to somebody, hey, or, here's the rumor and innuendo. You know, here's the scuttlebutt. This is what I've heard. Yeah. Any truth to that? You have to take them at their word at that point. But if you start seeing things that are suspect. You're saying with the talent. You'd say, hey, man. I'm saying I hear, with the talent. I yeah. hear you fucked up. Yes. Okay. And I would say it's just like that, too. Yeah. Um, give them an opportunity to say, you know what? I was fucked up, but I got my shit together. Okay, because I'm going to be keeping an eye on you. 
And if you fuck up, I am going to test you. And we'll, we do have a checks and balances here. I can't have you being fucked that's, up around that's here. That's really hard to argue. So, but you can't, you can't go in and say, oh, well, he was fuck up up there. And I heard he was fuck up up there. So we're, we're not going to use him. We give a guy a second chance because they may not be that same person in a different environment. But I would, I would address it with them because I, I just wanted them to know that, that I know, or I've heard. Yeah. Change my mind. Sure. Well, um, that's interesting. Let's run through some, some quick names here and then we'll wrap this up. You said a minute ago, not much to say about Andy Barton. Tell everybody listening, who the hell's Andy Barton? What's he do? Andy Barton was like the executive vice president of operations and he handled, uh, marketing. He handled, uh, booking the buildings, international deals, stuff like that. What territory did he come from? He came from the Dixie Carter ad agency territory. So no wrestling background. Zero. Just somebody who's one of her confidants from a previous failed business. Correct. Okay. Um, Dean Broadhead. He's a name that people have only become familiar with since the Billy Corgan lawsuit, I believe. Maybe some other people before. But that's for the first time a lot of people listening to this would have seen his name. Who is Dean Broadhead? And uh, where did he break into the business? You want the one word or you want the name association? Give me whatever you want to give me. Dishonest. No wrestling background? No. Uh, What is his background? He flew fighter jets in Vietnam. Any famous quotes you can attribute to him? No. Okay. I guess if you named it a lawsuit, we're going to move along. Uh, Surge. Surge, Dixie's husband. I like Surge, man. Surge was a lot of fun. What's your favorite Surge uh, entrance music? Uh, For those of you who don't know, Surge trouble, is- trouble, 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 trouble. It is, it is a hit. It's catchy. Hey, man, Dale Oliver, the guy that works on the music with Surge, is a great guy, and he's a hell of a talent. Yeah, I think they're on the outs now. Are they really? Yeah, I don't think they're paying Dale either. Oh, well, good, then fuck them, because Dale's a real talent. <laughs> because Dale's a real talent. Um, but no, I, I like Surge, man. I, I've never had a problem with Surge. Eric Bischoff leaves WCW. Uh, he's working with Jason Hervey at one point. They're suing TNA uh, for unpaid uh, royalties. You said they leave WCW. They left TNA. Well, they left them both. Uh, right. The TNA situation... When he leaves, are you there when Bischoff leaves or not? No. Uh, I left in July of 2013. What did uh, Herbie do for TNA when you were around? Uh, BHE Productions, Bischoff Herbie Entertainment. Right. Uh, they were partners, and they were the executive producers. So it was like they were co-executive producers of the show. Jason would come in, and Jason would shoot some of the backstage vignettes with his crew and try and give them a different feel and and help guys out. I thought Jason did a hell of a job with this stuff. You think he worked, he worked his ass off. Oh, I, I didn't say that he didn't. I was just, you know, letting people know. Uh, do you think there's any truth to the whole talk that there's some nepotism here with Brooke Hogan being on TV and Garrett Bischoff being on TV? Oh, there's definitely talk about it, sure. Were they worthy of their spots? Yes or no? I think that uh, Brooke got put into an unfair position because I think people... Because of the music. Because of the music, and I think because people thought sure. that 
Hulk would really love this, and I don't think Hulk really loved it. Um, as far as Garrett, it was simply a situation to put Garrett out there. Garrett wanted to be a wrestler. Um, they made him pay his dues, refereeing for a year. Um, gave, him, gave him an opportunity. He has a name. Hard-working kid. Uh, honest kid. If his name was uh, Garrett Jackson... You know, would we be examining it no. the same way? No. You wouldn't. But the fact that his dad was Eric. It is it what is, it is. It is what it is. And Garrett, you know, probably not made for the wrestling business. How but does, it doesn't mean that he didn't train really hard and do the best that he could. How does Wes Briscoe wind up in TNA and not with WWE? He was with WWE. Well, you know what I mean. Like, he had a much longer run in TNA. Well... Jerry Briscoe's a friend of mine, and when Wes wasn't picked up by WWE, they had an idea they were going to start him, and then they just cut him. Um, I'd always been a big fan of Wes's, and he was young, very green, but I, I thought that we could build something with him and put him in a position where he could work with some older guys. Get the rub. Yeah. Yeah. And, and teach him, so... To me, uh, having young guys like that that had never been to WWE, these guys that we can mold, that we can build, that can be TNA guys. And with Garrett and and then with Wes, it was just something to build on, too. You know, the youth movement that everybody accused us that we never had. Was Hogan still there when you left? Yes. For about another, yeah, for maybe about another month or so. Did you have any, um, that doesn't work for me, brother? conversations what do you i don't well there's this perception online rumors and innuendo that uh hogan would sometimes see what was written and then at the last minute say that doesn't work for me brother okay bullshit i can tell by the reaction um vince russo he was gone before you were gone and now of course he came back and had another he was gone he was gone in january of 2012 um how does that come about? Rumors and innuendo is that he's very paranoid at the time. And there's lots of talk that he was um, always looking over his shoulder and people were trying to screw him and blah, blah, blah. Well, I've heard him say himself that I would meet with Dixie Carter behind his back to get his job. And the truth of the matter is, is there was a situation where I was in Nashville, Eric Bischoff was in Nashville, and Russo was in Nashville. All three of us, you know, no, none of us lived in Nashville. We were all there at the same time. And we were told we were going to have a meeting in the morning. So we all get there, and we're doing our own thing. I think Eric was called in first, then Vince Russo, then me. And in my meeting, I was told that they had spoken to Russo and that Russo would simply be a television writer. And Eric would continue on as the executive producer, but he would have a kind of an arm's length on the creative end of things and, and the creation of it. But that I would then be seen, uh, I would oversee all the production and all of the programming and writing. So I became execu executive or senior vice president of programming and talent relations. So, Eric, so when you got all these new job titles, did you get a bump? At that time, yeah, I, I did. Good for you. Yeah. 
That was a long uh, pregnant pause there. Well, it was one of those I told I was told my bump was going to be one thing, and then it came back and actually was something else. Were the checks in the mail? Yeah. Um, I don't know why I just thought of this. I've heard that TNA would sometimes send empty FedExes. Ah, that's a new one. Just so it would be, oh, we forgot to put the check. Just give him a couple extra days. Oh, my God. That that doesn't, that again, doesn't shock me. Um, so Vince is on the outs. Is that the meeting where? It- well, the, the meeting, the meeting is you're going to continue Vince doing what's your thing, but it's going to go to, uh, it's going to go to Bruce right. and Bruce and Eric will finalize it and get it back to you and you guys write it out and we'll go produce it. Um, but no, I didn't go. I didn't know any of this until after Dixie and Dean had met with Eric and then met with Russo and then met with me and told me about their meetings with Russo and, and Eric. Um, Vince Russo's narrative is, is that I went in and lobbied for his job. I didn't want his job, right? but that I'd gone in and lobbied for his job to get him out and for me to be in charge. I was simply a guy that needed a job that was happy to work and sure, I'll do it. You know, that's what you need me to do. I'll be happy to do it. Um, and the idea was that Russo would stay on. But he was unhappy with that role. Not being the top guy. I guess. And he wanted out. So he quit. Jeff Jarrett, uh, what was your what was the relationship with he and the company when you left? Spend my days working hard on the go, but the hands on the clock keep spinning too slow. I can't wait. To be alone with my baby tonight. Is that an answer? It's a song. I remember the song. With my baby tonight. So, we got. Jerry, hang with me. I know it's past J-E your double F J A double R E double, double T. Ha ha ha. <laughs> you when you leave what's he doing with the company who jeff G- i don't know what's going on anymore um when i leave jeff jeff was pretty much removed but then right after i leave i hear he came back how was he removed curiously that um he just stopped coming in they didn't explain a lot to you man it was so like jeff's not here well Who's doing this? Uh, we'll go take that to so-and-so. But All right, let's talk about, I want to finish with the Carters. But first, you finish in TNA. How does that come to an end? comes to an end that I'm asked that the directive came down from uh, Beelzebub in uh, <laughs> Dallas that I have to move to, to Nashville and I hemmed and hawed about it. And, and I was given advice to just draw it out. Cause apparently Russo had been given the same ultimatum many, many years ago. Who told and, you to stick your and, head in the sand and do the ostrich and, uh, several people, they, they said, well, just keep coming. And then, you know, they'll ask you about it every once in a while. And you just tell them that, yeah, I'm, I'm getting on that. I didn't want to do that. I told them, The truth. I said, you know, when I started here, I had one caveat. The only caveat I had was got to live in Houston. 
We've got family members, and I have a situation where my family members have to live in Houston. Yeah. I'm not moving. Can't. And they said, that's absolutely not a problem. We'll never be a problem. We would never ask you to move. And then they asked me to move. And when I said, you know, when I started here, we had this deal. I said, well, you know, Beelzebub wants you to. I said, okay, well, I can't do that. Well, think about it. So I took some time off. And while while I was taking time off, they were sending out release letters to talent. Not asking me, not telling me, nothing. Sending out letters and having the, the travel guy call and fire people. Who was released while you were gone? Why are you on uh, Doc Gallows. Uh, WWE Superstar now. Um, Lisa Marie. Hall of Famer um, for sure. There were a few. Yeah. And so it, it's, you know, and they're calling me going, hey, what the hell? And I'm like, I don't know, but I'm on vacation. So then when I get off vacation, they call me and they said, what's your decision? I said, well, my decision is the same decision it's always been. So, well, here's the deal. You need to be here by the end of next week living here. Or we just don't have anything for you. I said, so you're saying if I'm not moved out of Houston and living in Nashville by next Friday that I'm fired. Said, yep. So I guess I'm fired. Cause that ain't gonna happen. What month and year was that? And who's telling you that? July 2013. And that conversation, the initial conversation, was with Dean Broadhead, Mister Dishonest himself. And I had and I had had uh, many conversations with Dixie too. And Dixie's always, we'll, we'll work something out. And yeah, and then uh, the next thing I know is I'm reading online. That I'd been fired, and that me and D'Lo Brown had both been fired, and so I D'Lo was an agent at the time. Yes, and so I called Dixie. Of course, she didn't take my calls, but I sent her a text. I said it was really great to to read about my demise on the internet, and I still haven't even gotten spoke to speak to you. And she sent me back. I'll call you tomorrow. And didn't. No. You have spoken to Dixie since then. Yeah, I have. Yeah. You guys are on okay terms now? I don't know. Yeah. Do they owe you any money? You know, they did something that was um, really bad. I, I, had, uh, I had some financial issues, and, and they were supposed to pay back and to the government and so on and so forth. And they didn't do it. They garnish things from my check. So you had withholdings yes. from the federal government, right? And the, they were they were that supposed TNA to pay. kept kept that didn't weren't included in your checks, but then they didn't actually pay the government. Correct. And then the government came after me for payment. So they stole your money. Yeah. How much money did they steal from you? Oh, that was about it was it was only about ten thousand dollars. Still. But still, the just the and you never got it. The arrogance. Well, it wasn't coming to me, but the government fin- the government finally got it. Oh, good. Because it was the government coming after me for the money. And you and you showed them proof. Hey, I it was with help for hey, me. Here's where they took it. I did my part. So I don't know because I never heard the end of it other than the government was satisfied. And it was just those those kind of little petty things that didn't have to happen. That right. Were, made you kind of feel dirty at the end. Well, Beelzebub, uh, I assume that's code for Janice. That's what you say. 
got any good Janice Carter stories? I love the $8 breakfast. You got anything else? You know, Janice just had a way of thinking that everything, all businesses are the same. Yeah. And because they were successful building power plants, that they'll be successful having a wrestling company. Why Hulk Hogan wrestles for me. Oh, she liked to say it like that. Uh, Bob liked to say it like that. Yeah. You know, Hulk Hogan, he wrestles for me. Yeah. Sure does. Um, They just, you know, I would hear stories about how, what stand-up people they were and, and what, uh, you'd hear that from who people, Jim Ross told me that how, mm. how great they were and that he'd love to work with them. And I called Jim at one point and I said, man, are you sure you met like the Carters and Bob? Cause I mean, how much time did you spend with them? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure they could be very nice and very pleasant people. Like I said, Dixie, man, go party with Dixie. Go have a steak with Dixie and a couple bottles of wine. You'll have a blast. She's a really sweet, smart, nice lady. But have shit break down and need an answer for something. There were times that, that we needed answers for things that they just wouldn't answer the phone. Now think about this. I'm the senior vice president of talent relations pro or programming and talent relations. Right. But I can't get the president of the company, the CFO of the company or the owners of the company to take a phone call or call me back. Hmm. I went almost three weeks one time with none of them calling me back with some pretty major shit. I would come into the office. I would come into Nashville. If I was coming into the office, if they knew I was in town, they wouldn't come into the office. Just to avoid this topic. I guess. It it got crazy. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm shocked. It's taken so long for a lot of this to come out. And, um, they got some pretty evil people there. If Janice is a stickler about breakfast. But Janice isn't there anymore, you know, I guess. I I'm just know. saying, if. if mm-hmm. How are they paying Hogan and Bischoff? Who said they were? I'm going to freestyle based on what you just said. Was Spike paying them? Who said they were? I think that's a nugget that I don't know that's out there. I don't, I don't know. Wow. So all this talk amongst all the boys, all these years that Hogan and Bischoff were siphoning off the money. That money wasn't even coming from the TNA bucket. I'm, I'm, I'm freestyling. That was coming from spike. You're freestyling. You're not correct. Dixie Carter. Let's finish it up. Finish it up. Besides splitting checks for beers and sweet tea, besides we'll figure it out, besides, well, he's always like this, 
Jarrett, with Jeff Jarrett or um, Jeff Hardy. Besides Sting, anything else to offer about Dixie Carter? Perception would be to me, as a rule of thumb, and this is me saying this. I'm a small business owner. I built my small business, you know, on a handful of thousand dollars. And then little by little, we grew with a little engine that could. And when we could afford to do something, we did. I didn't go do crowdfunding. I didn't go do a round of fundraising. I didn't uh, raise money. I sold and made money. And through that, grew the business. It seems as if this is not the way TNA was ever ran. And there was never a real focused pursuit of profit. And it seems as if the nail in the coffin financially from a business standpoint comes when they lose the spike deal, which you could trace back to some stuff that Dixie does. They go to destination America, the ridiculous email. They lose that deal. Now they're on pop TV. They lose their lease. They don't pay state taxes. They run up an American express bill. They don't pay. They're using a personal credit card to book travel. She gets personal loans from Billy Corgan. It just seems this is all allegedly, I should say, but it just seems as if once that spike deal goes sideways, the business is going downhill and in a hurry. And from a fan perspective, when AJ Styles is allowed to leave, it's over. Dixie didn't see AJ the way Vince McMahon sees him now. He's the champ that runs the camp. She instead pursued other former names and tried to continue to do more of what had been done in the past. And now it's almost been a comedy of errors. But everybody to a man says she's a nice lady. She's she a great a nice lady. I'm not disputing that. But what I'm saying is, is that just a really nice way in the South when we're really shitting on someone, we say, oh, bless her heart. Oh, bless her heart. <laughs> is that not what this is, kind of? Oh, she's a nice lady. I mean, she's fucking stupid and can't run her business for shit. And it's just ruined a lot of great opportunities. But she's a nice lady. That feels, I'm not saying that's what people are saying. But that's the kind of impression I get when I hear people talk about Dixie Carter. Because everybody likes her. You just said, you have a steak with her, have a drink with her. And I've met her multiple times. She's very charming. She's a nice lady. I appreciate all that. But it feels as if that's just, that's the least we can give her. Can you give us anything good about Dixie Carter? Because all we hear is this negative. Yeah, she's a wonderful mother. I mean, about wrestling. Oh. She's kept it going this long. <laughs> I mean, that's true. Well, I mean, that's true. It's a true. lot of people thought it would. It lasted a lot longer of than WCW. It would, a lot of people thought it would have been dead a long time ago. But wouldn't it, have, wouldn't it have been dead if she didn't have parents willing to take double-digit million-dollar losses? Maybe. Maybe uh, if those parents had stopped taking those double-digit losses and, and let someone come in and actually run it, someone other than their daughter, then who knows what would have happened. 
it feels to me like when you have non-wrestling people like a Barton or a Broadhead, admittedly, I don't know them, but I do know that their background isn't wrestling based on your testimony to me. It feels as if those people are in those positions. It becomes a situation where you don't have someone that you can necessarily trust to do the job. It's just someone that you know you can trust. And so Dixie may have looked around and said, hey, I've known this guy a long time. We've worked together in other arenas. I can trust him rather than I can trust that he's the best guy for the job. Okay. Is that fair? Yeah. Would that have made any difference at all? No. So it's not just a key hire situation. It it was a no, because every key hire that they, that they put in, they, they had different people in some of those positions and it just didn't work, but I, it comes from the top. It comes from the top. And when I say it comes from the top there, it, it goes back to Dallas and in those big corner offices. That, uh, so you're saying Dixie was never really empowered. No, she never was. And then you got, and then when you get to the level of Dixie and Dean, that each one of them thought that the other one was in charge or, or thought that they were in charge. And, and so there was know. a little power struggle at times between Dean and Dixie. Oh yeah. Okay. I didn't know yeah. that. You know, and you got your CFO talking to the mother and then talking to Dixie. And, and, it's just and so really, then it becomes a little infighting, yeah. pissing contest about yeah. trying to prove the other one wrong. Yeah, everybody's fiddle fucking around and it's just. We're yeah. not worried about profit. We're worried about being right. Yeah. Hmm. Or if, if we, if these numbers don't work, well, let's see if these numbers will. Oh, just to get approval in Dallas. Yeah. yeah. Or if we don't tell Dallas and we just do it. They they won't find out. We'll just mark it down under something else. Like the spike deal. Didn't say that. No, I freestyled that. I made oh. that up. Okay. Bruce Richard didn't say shit. Okay. She didn't correct me either. You'd gladly call me a dumbass. You'd look for reasons to do that. Anything else you want to mention about TNA? We've went really long. It's our longest show ever. No. Uh, the the I'll tell you one talent who who excelled during my time there. Taryn Terrell. Wow. Taryn Terrell was, uh, living in, I think she was living in new Orleans. She would call me every week, ask me for something. She hadn't trained in a while and had an idea to bring her in as a referee. It took forever to get that approved and, and get her in. But when she finally started working and doing her stuff, I thought she blew everybody away. And yeah. I thought she was an excellent, excellent, fresh surprise. Uh, I consider her a success story, and that's all on her because she went out there and busted her butt. And the stupid-ass silly shit they did with her after I left when the beautiful people and all that crap I thought was horrible because she was so good on her own. You're talking about silly shit. I can't help but think about this uh, AJ angle that they did, the pregnancy thing. Do you think that really helped open some eyes in WWE? I know I just yeah. freestyled that, that that's crazy, but that seems like a WWE-style angle, and AJ pulled it off and did a pretty damn good job with it. That's where you saw AJ's personality for the first time. Yeah. And acting chops. Yeah. And I think that probably helped considerably. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. 
that he was right there that whole time. Maybe the best worker in the business. Uh, speaking of workers, I don't know how we missed this. Okada, once upon a time, New Japan uh, doesn't even want to do anything with TNA anymore because of how poorly he was used when he was in TNA. And they make a big issue about Vince Russo can't be involved, and they swear he's not involved. And then it comes out, of course, he's involved. Um, but I wasn't involved in any of that. No, you weren't involved in any of that. But you were you were there when Samoa Joe has Okada with him. Yes. And they dress him up like the Green Hornet or... Kato. Kato, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, do you think Vince Russo had ever even seen the guy work or he just knew he was Asian? Hey, here's what we'll do. I don't think he'd ever seen him work. One of the best performers in the business. I don't know that he was the best performer in the business at that time either. But he but is that. now. That's what I'm saying is okay. he wasn't even given an opportunity to show any of that. He's tall, which is unique. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has a good look. I agree with all that. Yeah. Anything else about TNA? I know we just kind of sidebarred those few little no, names. No, I, I, I really can't. So I, I hope everybody enjoys it. I hope that uh, it's what they were looking for. I don't know. We kind of, good God, we talked forever. We did. We appreciate you tuning in. Thanks for all the support. We'll see you next week right here on Something to Wrestle With. Bruce Pritchard. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on a sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.